Hello and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hanson, even though I don't sound like it, but I'm trying my best here. Joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hey, I'm I'm here. Joined by Jeff Markiafava, the, the madman himself. Don't cough on me. Ow. And we have Leo Vader. No title. No title. Um, you're good. The same no, man of gaming. What do, you, what do you want? What's like what's like the greatest compliment that we could give you that you'd feel comfortable with? Uh, the hot guy who rocks. Do you um have people other than your wonderful girlfriend? Have people told you that you're hot in your life? Is that something you've gotten a couple times in a really Every, flattering way? Once in a while, as a YouTuber, Ooh. Slash, when I'm streaming, once in a while somebody will chime in to just make physical compliments about me. And how, how many you, times has it not been me though, Lee? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe single digits. How um yeah. You, you, good news, you're not single. You don't have to give out those digits. What uh, do you do? You enjoy it? Is it is it fun to see? Do you like hearing that? Or would, if you could remove all references to your body on the internet, would you hit that nuke <laughs> button? If I'm gonna get the mean ones, I guess I appreciate the nice ones. Yeah, just to train. Certainly, but I also don't take them too seriously. It's like I don't know the type of person that would reach out to call a guy like me hot you know do i trust that person do i come think they have on. good judgment i don't know come on everybody he's hot right everybody come on he's yeah, hot no, don't I, let him I, but i mean i think i think it's pretty clear hansen that you're just trying to get us to ask you oh about gosh you those could comments for you oh, you could oh you I, I, I won't even i won't even be bothered well here's here's not the thing with falling me. for it not here's falling the, for here's it here's the thing with me my self-esteem has gotten a lot better over the last 20 years it's really it's it's wonderful i Greg? see yeah <laughs> Hang on, what, how's your self-esteem gone over the last 20 years, Kyle? That was bad. I feel overweight for the first time in my life. So you were oh. more confident in your body 20 years ago? Yeah, which is not typical, right? I don't know. It's usually the other way around. I just feel like I'm very thankful for like late 20s and 30s. Just why, to feel so why, why would that be the wrong way around? Of course, as people get older, I think they would. But I think feel... you get more comfortable with your body. You like learn to accept it and maybe find the, the highlights. You know, like your eyebrows, Jeff. I guess. But if if your body stayed that way, then you could get more comfortable with it. But yeah, we're all just gonna keep getting older and. I mean, bigger it's, and yeah, it's the John. And... <laughs> yeah, it's the John Mulaney joke about he always thought he'd eventually grow to look older, but it turns out that just means you look worse over time. That's what older means. It's not, there's no now. I'm an old man. Um, I think I look better now than I did three years ago. Hey, there and we go. So I feel like there's, you know, it's not a straight line. I think there's uh, peaks and valleys to it. You might be coming up on a hot phase, Kyle. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and Hanson, you're married now. You yeah. don't have to worry about it anymore. There's only one person who I will accept compliments from. I delete all other comments unless they're from her. So that's the that's way right. it goes. But I feel like, you know, people are very nice online. Not that I'm getting just, you know, not that I'm drowning in compliments. But you know what I think a secret is, is my last name kind of sounds like the word handsome. And so people make that joke. But I always wonder, like, well, that's that's bringing people out of the caves just to make that reference and that joke. Yeah. And it's pointing them in that direction, you know. So I feel like it's not fair with me. It's not a fair physical appearance fight. You got to change your name to, like, Ben Uggo and then see how people react. <laughs> no, because, see, even then people would say, I don't think he's Uggo. I think he's Hotto. I think you need to, like, if my name was just like. Ah, eh, they might. Yeah, maybe that's true. 
Um, hey, we're not talking about that for this entire episode. <laughs> we, hey, why not? We got plenty to talk about games wise. Call her bluff, dude. Call her bluff. We got games to talk about. Yeah, my Dorymon, voice is. Doraemon Story of Seasons. Yeah, we'll talk about Doraemon Story of Seasons all day. What do you think we want? I, I like that you're burning what precious little amount you have left of your voice on this conversation for 20 minutes. Yeah, for the record, um, I guess I'm sick. I feel totally fine, but my voice is just gone. And I've taken COVID tests up the wazoo. That's where the test oh, that's, goes that's right. Not how you're oh, that's why. That's oh. why. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, all negative all day. So I'm very lucky because it seems like everybody else on the internet um, is going through a big wave of just COVID like right the now. the comments on your uh, handsomeness, right? All negative all day. That's right. Hey, everybody, we're talking about uh, Nintendo's summer reveals here with the Nintendo Direct Mini. Uh, talking about some other odds and ends. Uh, fun guaranteed is the banner we're putting on this podcast. Then back after the show, we have some great questions from the community. Now, my voice will be gone at that point, but like a relay race, Kyle Hilliard's going to pick up that baton and run to the finish line and ask those community questions. And I will be doing a series of knocks like a ghost responding to a Ouija board for those community questions, and I'm very much looking forward to it. You know, this podcast is just too much fun not to do every week, Jeff. You know how it goes. That's right. That's right. You also said pick up the baton, Hanson, which I think implies you're going to drop it on the ground. <laughs> well, I'm going to be passed out. Yeah, I'm going to. Okay. Did I'm going to roll go ahead and hold my hand behind me like like this the whole time. Hold it, and then I'll I'll yeah. be ready for you. You know, has anybody ever done that? Has anybody ever ran in a race and grabbed a baton? Are you wait, anybody is here? It, is yeah, this like us? <laughs> Don't tell Kyle. They do it at the Olympics. No, yeah. I know. No, in our I've seen it. Yeah, us. Us, you did. Oh, yeah, I mean, in like middle school or, you know. You did that. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. Or at least I have no memory. Oh, of you're missing out, dude. I think it's like a sensation I would like to do is like running full speed and then like trying to grab a cylinder from somebody else. I think that sounds fun. So look out. We'll get it rolling here of Inmax. <laughs> Hey, can I finish? We're talking about Nintendo Summer Reveals here this week. Um, Kyle, walk me through the history of the, the fabled legendary Direct from Nintendo this, this summer. Of people- I remember the first one, we were all, we didn't understand. We thought it was bad, and we couldn't believe that it was being done this way. And no, we but what about, okay, if I, hey, it was I, I, amazing, I, I, and I, now everyone's doing it. Right, okay, you know what, I, I round the clocks back too much. What about, like, this year? Like, oh, this year. It seems like everybody in the world is like, Nintendo Direct, happening. This is going to be good. It's going to be nothing but 3D Donkey Kong platformer. This baby's coming. And then some leaks came out and they said, I, I mean, like a couple of voices were like, I hear it's the 29th of June. And then someone's like, I hear it's third party. And then our dear friends Kit and Krista over there on the Kit and Krista podcast, former Nintendo people, they they literally had a YouTube thumbnail or is them making X's with their hands saying, there will be no Nintendo Direct in June. Stop, everybody. Uh, but by well, God, the, the one happened. You said, like, I feel like we live in a constant state of like Nintendo Direct coming up. It's coming. Like right, it, There's right. at least one maybe reputable person who is like, it's it's around the corner. It's And it's like they're totally unpredictable. They don't come on a schedule. So I like... I really don't put any stock in Nintendo Directs until a Nintendo tweet comes 24 hours before it goes live. It's like the only thing you can fully rely on. And then this, this it seemed like there should be one around this time because we're in the E3 zone. Uh, yeah. And then they tweeted like a Direct Mini. 
for just like third party things. Colon like, partner showcase. <laughs> partner, yeah. So it's like, yeah, we're not going to see first party stuff, which was surprising. I like that really. I, I, I didn't. I, if they were going to do a direct in you know in the coming weeks, I figured it would be like a sort of pulling out all the stops kind of thing and not a partner showcase, which. You know, that being said, like it was still very enjoyable and there was, was a lot great. of exciting stuff in it. Yeah. yeah, it was one of my favorite shows so far of the year. Um, yeah, and then it, it, there are rumors now. Believe it or not, Kyle, there are rumors about the next Nintendo Direct. What? People are saying July. Which bro? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, a lot of people on the street saying, and I'm checking Twitter. Yeah, yeah, people are saying Switch Pro's coming. Uh, basically, take $500 and set it on your nightstand because you'll be using it soon, <laughs> they say. Cut um, to us for as skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but they say that there's a first party direct coming in July, which uh, who knows? We'll see. I think that was coming from Jeff Grubb over there at Giant Bomb. So we'll see. That's a pretty good source. But um, but yeah, it's interesting listening to like the Kit and Krista podcast. I don't know if you've been listening to that, Kyle, but there's a lot of good Nintendo Insider stuff over there. Um, and they were talking about like literally being in the room while they were at Nintendo talking about the rumors online about when Nintendo Directs would drop and like what they're going to do around E3 season and just cackling and deliberately zigging when the internet thought they were going to zag. So like there's, <laughs> it's not some conspiracy theory. Like Kit and Krista were in the room. Like, yeah, it's exactly how it went. Like we delighted in surprising people and not doing what the internet would expect us to do at any moment, which is, that's hey, cool. That's kind of fun. Wow. Yeah, that would be super fun. <laughs> it would be fun. Uh, but by God, we got it. The Nintendo Direct Mini colon partner showcase, which sounds lame, but they really packed the sucker full. There's a lot of good stuff. I think the fact that they threw Mini on there immediately made everyone like it more when it was done, right? Just getting the expectations mm. lower? It's kind of a smart move that way. Oh, just for everything? Oh. Like Summer Game Fest Mini, it should have been called from Keeley, then people would be like, those space games were pretty cool. They're kind of large. At this point, what they need to do is like, instead of saying, hey, there'll be a Nintendo Direct tomorrow, they should just be like, there won't be a Nintendo Direct tomorrow. But if there were, it would only be... 12 seconds of one game and then like then everyone would be like oh my god <laughs> then when Nintendo Direct happens everyone would be like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Truly yes. they're the king of kings. Uh, yeah this thing started out uh, with a big old look at uh, Monster Hunter Rise Daybreak of course uh, coming out June 30th. Oh, Sunbreak. Sunbreak, Sunbreak right? of course who can forget it uh, but June 30th and reviews seem positive-ish. Seems like around the same review scores as like Monster Hunter Rise got, where it's like, hey, pretty pretty good for a little expansion there. And there's a demo now for all those folks interested. Uh, Leo, what, what tickled your fancy in this direct here? Well, a couple of many things. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know if I have to be a Doraemon guy now. Wait, really? My, my girlfriend and I are always looking for split-screen farming options. Mm. Yeah. And that seems to be one. Wait, Dorymon okay. story of the seasons, friends of the great kingdom. I meant to say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hang on, I love that you're choosing this. So there was like a weird theme, where it seemed like farming was the big recurring thing for this Nintendo Direct. The same way that sci-fi Dead Space like games uh, were big for Keeley. It's like this one was all about farming, baby. Everything you want from just nice, relaxing games. And so, did they show co-op in this thing? A little bit of it. I couldn't even tell if it was, you know, co-op for the whole thing or just for some open world part of it. But yeah, peaked my you know, was the last one split screen. Do you know? I'm kind of like Googling it now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It is a sequel. Sure don't. It is. So this is the confusing thing. So this is a story of seasons, which is, of course, the true 
the true heir of Harvest Moon. And now that naming convention gets confusing and all that stuff. But um, have you ever played a Story of Seasons game, Leo? No. But just you're looking for any co-op farming game. So Dorymon it'll be. I'm telling you, we're desperate. We've spent so long <laughs> browsing all sorts of different storefronts, looking for local co-op games that aren't just like beat-em-ups. <laughs> yeah, well, you've played Stardew, right? I mean, that's a silly yeah. question. Okay, just just making sure, because that does have co-op on the same screen. Yeah, my my wife is exactly the same way, and she just like consumes every farming game that comes out. So she has played the the latest Story of Seasons game, as well as the latest rune factory game yeah um and so there was also i think it was called harvesta oh harvestella now we're talking now we're cooking with gas here which was another which was another she likes that mix of um the farming stuff and then also some combat stuff so yeah tell her about that one yeah this was this was a biggie for me so harvestella is a new game that's coming this year november 4th and it's from square enix um, it's coming to Switch and it's coming to PC, but it it looks bizarre. It honestly it looks like if Rune Factory had a much much bigger budget, because I really like that first Rune Factory game, but I always felt like ah maybe the next one I'll get into. They seem to be getting a lot of sixes and sevens review wise, but maybe I'll still enjoy it. Now it feels like okay, it's nice to see a big publisher putting some money into a game that's about RPG combat, but then also farming. Mm-hmm. And it it looked pretty too. Yeah, like think, especially for a Switch game. I think so. Yeah, it's got that that kind of Final Fantasy budget, big things, big structures off in the distance, you know, like a, it it looks cool. Yeah, I guess it's particles. like the, an artist yeah. that worked on Final Fantasy 12 uh is is working okay. on this thing, They're like the composer from the Tales series, but I couldn't find any more details on like which team within Square is making this cuz that that has a big impact on it, but all signs point to hey, you know what, Leo? <laughs> as far as this podcast is concerned, all all signs point to two thumbs up for Harvestella from this dude. That's great, man. What hey, a thanks. weird transition. So happy yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, my, my family actually got mad at me for sending them the trailer. Because I was like, hey, I think you guys would be into this. And they're like, this is like eight months away. Why are you, like, you got what? me all excited for no reason. Like, I'm I'm not supposed to send them stuff that early. I got to do it like the week before. That early? I had the reaction of like seeing so many games now. It's like, oh, the year is starting to fill out. Like, I'm excited. November 4th, that feels like it's right around the corner. Like, if any game has 2022 in it, I think it's a, it's a godsend. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that thing. Yeah, adopt Hanson. Yeah, come on, man. Let me into that house. Um, so Square Enix describes Harvestella. They say players can select from various jobs, such as fighter, shadow, walker. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Texas Ranger. Fighter, shadow walker, and mage. Okay. And venture to dungeons with their party to discover the origins of the world, as well as tell the truth behind the calamity along the way. Good Lord. The, the fun meta game of this episode of the Min-Max show is trying to, f- like, watching you, Hanson, and seeing you decide, is this joke worth, like, putting in the extra effort for my joke? Does saying Texas Ranger, is it worth the effort? Oh, no, it never is. It never this is. extra strength. It, it's the same thing. Like, that didn't make anybody smile. The same way that, like, <laughs> you know, Leo, if I may, I got where you're coming from, but I always think back to this moment at Game Informer that was, like, it was a little frustrating for me. When uh, you were doing some video, working on some video for like a cover story, and you like sent it my way before it went live, and there was like something wrong with like the lower third, or there was like a weird cut with the B-roll or something, 
and I mentioned it to you like, hey, there's this weird beat here. If you wouldn't mind fixing that real quick. And you gave the, is one less person subscribing because of this? Is someone going to unsubscribe from Game of Homer's YouTube channel because of this? Is it going to have any impact on anything? And the answer is obviously no. Um, I feel that same way, you know, where it's like, well, you're right, Kyle. There's ultimately no point in throwing out mediocre no, jokes. I want you to. I just oh. think it's fun to watch you struggle is what i'm saying <laughs> thank you and, how and do you... also a thousand people did unsubscribe off that so <laughs> that I is my true <laughs> it is true do you remember saying that leo i do remember that yeah i remember it being like a not an error but a like a style thing or something oh really but it was a long time ago now yeah, i should out guys come on no i think i think we got to the core of it it turns out leo was right <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, the big thing with Harvestella uh, is, you know, farming. What do we know about farming, Jeff? Walk me through the beats. Give me the biggies. Uh, you're gonna, you're planting like magic crops yeah. or something? Yeah, and you do that in what season? All the seasons, <laughs> Well, well and there's only four seasons, right? Winter, first summer, thing. fall, yeah, I've, spring. I've read the Farmer's Almanac, and they really emphasize the fact that there's only four seasons. And then Square Enix comes along and says, Nay, what if there was a new season, and this season sucked? This season's called Quietus, and it's when everybody's super dies, and there's poison everywhere, and we need to stop Quietus from, from ruining the good name of seasons for the rest of these four friends. <laughs> that is the red flag about this. I don't think we know enough yet, but it's like I'm definitely in it for the life sim aspect. And if it's like time is passing and once in a while, yeah, if that person you're building your social bond with, uh, they have depression now and <laughs> <laughs> none of your crops are growing because it's a hell season. You have to go beat this boss before you can... <laughs> resume it does seem like that is where they're going and like it's interesting stuff they talk about like oh go turn journey to the towns and talk to other people and stuff but then during some combat you can even see that there's more than one person fighting so like i kind of like that idea of like oh if it's like a stardew but instead of just getting a spouse or a best friend or whatever you can actually like recruit party members to fight an rpg combat with you like i think that seems really cool but it's all in favor of this larger mystery and you go back and look at that trailer it, it, they're squeezing in plenty of JRPG nonsense in there. There's just like a shot where it's like, all right, farming, farming, got it. Then quick shot of like skydiving. <laughs> like, wait, what is this? Then a quick shot of like some lady like struggling in a bunch of chains, like <laughs> fighting a god. It's like, okay, this is my kind of farming game. So yeah, Harvestella, curious about that thing. Uh, and then they also showed that Disney game again, uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley, uh, which is also seems... Uh, a little Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley inspired, but Kyle, how are you feeling about this weirdo thing? I'm worried about the free-to-play nature of it. Is it free-to-play? Uh, I, be I believe so. I'm like second. I know it has like microtransactions and things in it. Um, okay. Maybe it's not free-to-play. Well, I don't know because I know the the racing game is. Can you look into that? Because the racing game yeah, is, and then there's that other Mirrorverse game that just came out on mobile. Which, yeah, that one's definitely free to play. Yeah, please look into that. Um, but yeah, it's coming into early access on September yeah. 6th, which is, I think, the first time early access has been on a Switch console. Maybe Fortnite? Maybe, Maybe like, uh, the beta was technically a, a beta there for Fortnite. But what did you, you learn, yeah, Kyle? Yeah, free, free to play. Is that right? Yeah. Well, then I should be a little bit worried about it. But I do like the idea of, you know, Disney and Square Enix and larger people just realizing, like, you know where the future is? Life simulation adventures. And I was thinking like, oh, it's probably, you know, Stardew Valley inspired. But then I'm sure it's also like coming on the heels of 
eh, maybe this would be a quick development, but thinking about like Animal Crossing New Horizons, after that broke every sales record, maybe more people were like, hey, we should make one of those, shouldn't we? Well, remember when we went to see Disney Infinity, uh, Hanson, in, yeah. in 3, that was like one of the sort of pillars that they were showing us. They were like, we have farming in the game now. Like, we want to sort of gear it in this direction. And then, yeah. you know, it was in the game, but I don't think it was one that people really gravitated towards or anything like that. That's a good call. Yeah, I forgot about that in Disney Infinity 3. Um, yeah, I, I think it's funny that just naming-wise, it's like, all right, what are the big games in this genre? we got Stardew Valley and Harvest Moon. So Disney's like, okay, we'll take the valley from Stardew Valley for the name of our game with Disney Dreamlight Valley. And then Square Enix is like, all right, we'll take Harvest Moon's Harvest and we'll call our game Harvestella. It's like just cherry-pick the parts of the name, everybody, and have at it. Uh, but we'll all be farming and having a great time this year. Uh, but hey, there's more exciting stuff. Uh, Kyle, what's up to you about that whole thing? Um... Well, uh, it's exciting that Persona is finally coming to Switch. Yeah, like, that was their yeah. like final thing, which is like overdue, I think, but also like totally welcome. It was one of those things when they when they were announced to be coming to Xbox. I think everyone kind of raised an eyebrow, and I was like, "Well, and Switch too, right?" Like we'll learn that later. So it was nice to get that confirmation. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, especially everybody's been counting on the days since Joker was introduced as a Smash DLC character. It's like, well, I guess Persona 5 Strikers was on Switch, but there seems to be, seems like they're fudging their, this game has to be a Nintendo console rule to be in Smash. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. And it's not just Persona 5, but they're trickling out um, just like they did on Xbox. So it's going to be Persona 4 and then Persona 3. Um, but Persona 5 Royal is first, and that's coming October 21st uh, for the Switch. Uh, Leo, you're going to play this thing? For sure. I really love Persona 4 on Vita back oh, in the wow. day. Hmm. And yeah, I've pretty much been waiting for a handheld option for Persona 5. Yeah. yeah just, they, for, just, yeah, the, the sheer hours, it's like, I'll be chipping away at this for a year on various, like, trips and stuff is probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Victor Fam writes in over on Patreon and says, Now that Persona 5 is coming to Switch, is it possible to finish the game? Or is 100 hours to completion still an impossible task? Yeah, Victor, I'm sorry, no one's finished that game still. Um, it's been going for years, but nobody has gotten to credits in Persona 5 or Persona 5 Royal. I, prove me wrong, Internet. Prove me wrong. It seems The lifespan in- of the Switch is simply shorter. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jeff, anything else stand out to you from the whole Nintendo Direct? Yeah, how about those rabbits? Yeah, baby! Uh, which was really weird, what they're doing with it now. Cause it seems like they they just got rid of the grid completely. And now it's like you pick a character to move and they're just in a giant bubble that you can run around as much as you want in it's until you take your forth. action or something. Yeah. I think it's a smart move. I think it makes it a little more approachable. So this is Mario and Rabbids sparks of hope. The sequel it's going to October 20th. Yeah, I guess at a certain point, do you really need the grid? If it's just, hey, you can run around, it's still turn-based, and you'll just run around, you can choose the range, you can see, like, this bubble you can move in. Like, Leo, I assume you're with me here? I've I've got nothing against the grid, but I think the future of the genre is gridless. Like, did anybody here play Gears Tactics? No. I played a little. Uh, Underrated, and it also had free movement. Not back and forth like that, but... Outside of the grid and more like, I don't know, D&D style, you have a, a speed, a range you can go. At least I think I'm remembering that, that correctly. Mm. But it made it's like so much more empowering to have that. It's it sucks in every 
turn-based game like that, which I love so many, to be one notch short of where you need to get to. Right. You can run right up to this thing, but then you have to stand there instead of like being able to get in cover. And having just like more movement by default, like more movement available to you, makes it so much more accessible and makes you want to turn the game off so much less. And obviously for something like Mario plus Rabbids, they want it to be like friendly to somebody who's yeah. trying that genre for the first time. Yeah, it's interesting. Which, which is weird that that it's the second game though and they've like it they've already done this and they had the grid and so now we're gonna make the more approachable one, but it now it's a sequel as well. And they're probably saw yeah, I think that first one sold well was like we could probably get more. This is Mario for the love of God on Nintendo Switch should be able to move. And rabbits. Right. And this is Mario Cross John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> we should be getting more for this. Yeah, the uh, I like the way they phrase it. They call it action-packed tactical battles. So we're doing everything they can to be like, yeah, it's tactics, but still, please, please enjoy it, everybody. Tactical. Yeah, that's yeah, completely different. Uh, did, but, you, did you see the composers? Oh, uh, my God. It's huge. Yeah, so they did a very confusing thing that, you know, Dragon's Dogma 2 also pulled where on Wednesday they had a separate thing for you know everybody set their calendars to it the mario and rabbit sparks of hope showcase where they went into even more detail about this thing and yeah they announced those composers so grant kirkhope was the composer for the last game uh from rare fame um goldeneye perfect dark all your favorites banjo kazooie obviously oh yeah he composed the outro theme to min max um but that it was a huge get for the last time around that soundtrack ruled i have it on vinyl thanks to i'm 8-bit um but then they announced the composers for this one, for Sparks of Hope, is Grant Kirkhope and then Gareth Coker, who obviously did uh, Halo Infinite music, but maybe most importantly, the Ori series, uh, some amazing soundtracks, um, and Kyle's favorite, uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising as well. Um, and then also, the third composer for this game is Yoko Shimamura, uh, who I guess she did Mario music for like Mario RPG back in the day, but also big Kingdom Hearts composer, Final Fantasy XV, Kyle, um, and then Street Fighter 2, uh, she did, I think, a majority of the tracks for Street Fighter 2. So just an amazing, legendary composer. And so I, that, I'm laughing at you being like, like you're telling me. I'm like, I, I'm the one that brought this up. <laughs> Kyle, don't you realize that Yoko Shimomura is amazing? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, no, it's very cool. Very surprising. Yeah, I, uh, I interviewed her um, on the Final Fantasy 15 cover story trip at Gameform, and she was very nice. And then we like took a picture. And it, it bummed me out so much that like this legendary composer, I took the picture and she looked at the picture and she's like, take another one. I didn't look good. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're a legend. You don't have to worry about this tiny picture, I swear. But still, hey, that's fair. That's fair, Yoko Shimomura. Um, but they are teasing in that uh, showcase thing. Uh, like, hey, Bowser's going to be joining the fight for you. So look forward to that. And then, you know, people like to rag on these rabbits. I don't think I've ever played a rabbit game in my life, but I will say it, it does make me laugh in that showcase. They have rabid Rosalina and like the animation on her is very funny where she just is. She does not give a crap about anything that's going on. She just doesn't care. Is barely interested in the action. Just having this like flippant, like whatever tone for Rosalina is very funny. It's, and then it's all from her just having the hair that covers yes. her eye. Like yes. that's that's totally because that's not what her character is like in Super Mario Galaxy. No. Or is it what the rabbits are like? Yeah, mm. exactly. It's perfect. Um, but yeah, that seems interesting. So October twentieth, that thing's coming out on Switch. Um, can you think of any other game that has like? Other than Smash, that has Rabbit. a trifecta of composers that good. I mean, Why it's it a lot of composers. Of composers? 
That's a great question, Leo. It's, are we to take away that it's going to be a massive game or something? Could be. Or maybe it's just they got such a good kind of marketing bump from Grant Kirkhope. They're like, hey, if we squeeze a couple more names in here, we can really make this go the distance. It's like, you know, when they made a big deal about like, hey, the new Solo film's coming out, but John Williams came and he made one track for the new Solo film. So now, Star Wars fans, you should like this. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see all those uh, styles mixing together. Um, but yeah, Marion Rabbit sparks a hope for that thing. Uh, let's see. They also showed a game uh, called Little Noah Scion of Paradise, uh, which Kyle, it caught your eye a little bit. It's an interesting looking game. Yes. Which one? The one you said. Why am I, I not remembering this one? Uh, you said it's completely unforgettable. No, it's the one that you said it looked like a Grezzo game. Oh, right. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, that does look interesting. I, and it's not Grezzo, right? That was just... It's not. I so just, it's, yeah, okay. it's Psy Games, the people who made Regalia Lost, that mobile game that was just shut down. Um, oh, yeah. Then okay. also, okay. they're that studio that, like, uh, Platinum handed off Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, if you remember, they handed off the development of that game to Psy Games. Um, but this was like a big old shadow drop uh, for Little Noah, Scion of Paradise, and it's on... Uh, Steam and it's on Switch, um, but I got right. it and I was playing it on my Steam Deck, uh, and I was confused about what the genre was. Looking at the trailer because it kind of it's like a side perspective, so I'm like, oh, is this an RPG like Valkyrie Profile or what's going on here? Turns out it's like yeah, side perspective, but it's a roguelite, and um, I I really have been having a good time with this thing. Like the animations work out well the gameplay feels tight and the whole pitch is it's a roguelite and you're running around and you know between runs you're like upgrading an airship to give yourself boost and all this stuff uh but then you are recruiting i guess is the best way to to name it just like little monsters and characters out in the field and kind of building out your arsenal because you attack with them and they're called lilliputs of course um and so you have like your deck of lilliputs now, Leo, these this, these aren't cards, so you can't get excited. It's completely different. Okay. Um, so you make a little deck of like Lilliputs, and you put them yeah, in just an take order. Take off your headphones, Leo. It'd you don't nice. want to hear about any it, of this. It would really be nice. And you attack, <laughs> and then with every attack, you switch the next Lilliput in the order, so you can kind of set it up in a cool way. It's like, okay, this is the big guy. He's going to do the finishing blow, and then this one is in this slot because he's going to give me this spell here. But I, uh, it's 15 bucks, and it's really it's gotten me out of like a bit of a gaming slump. I feel like ever since I came back from... My honeymoon, I've been dabbling with a bunch of stuff, like, ah, oh, Vampire Survivors. Tried going back to Elden Ring, tried doing this Neon White I liked, but I haven't quite devoted enough time to and stuff. And then this one's just like, yeah, that combined with running great on the Steam Deck, uh, I, I'm back on board with this sucker. So Little Noah, Scion of Paradise, if you're looking for just a nice, simple roguelite. Um, oh. Kyle, how's, uh, how's your Steam Deck going, man? Great, loving it. I've been playing um, uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow. It was on sale for like a two bucks the other day, and I was like, "Man, I love that game!" And it runs great on Steam, and it holds up. And so that's that. And Vampire Survivor is like what I've been playing on it mostly. I also, because there were a bunch of Konami games on sale. It's funny. I look at all these sales now, and I'm like, mm, "Do I want to boost my Steam Deck library?" I bought um, Metal Gear Survivor. Mm. I was like, "I think I'm Wait, gonna survive." Survive. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm. How could I possibly confuse that? Um, and I think I'm gonna. At some point, I will at least like play through the first hour or two and like really give that game a shot. I you should, you know, may, I, I, 
it'll become Metal Gear Revengeance someday, right? Like it'll it'll no. people will discover it again <laughs> in like five years, and they'll be like, you know what? This is actually amazing. We were wrong at the time. <laughs> I thought that too, maybe, but then I played it, um, and then also the fact that it's I think been five years and no one has come out of the woodwork to quite change. It's, it's still it's just that one that I'm like, what is this thing? I, yes. I want to give it a little time. I love Metal Gear so much. I, I just want to see what this thing is. Totally you know? hear you. Totally. Metal Gear Solid 5 was so good. How bad could this be if it's a lot like that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I still think, yeah, like playing playing co-op, surely you can have fun with it. Because I remember just playing single player. It's a lot of like having poles and just like attacking zombie looking enemies through chain link fences and stuff. Um, and it yeah, was a little, fun. It was fun. Uh, Kyle, I mean, if you ever want to do a multiplayer stream, I would go gaga about the day of playing co-op. <laughs> All right. For that game. I really would be interested. Yeah, I, I need to get into it. Like, you know, I need to not just like dabble in the first 30 minutes. Like, I want to like give it a few commit, hours. Commit, commit to it. Because it is, it, it's intriguing. And we talked a lot about, about it a lot on the uh, the Gameformer show when it came out. But like, there is intriguing Metal Gear lore in that. Because like, it does some, it does the wildest things. And I think it kind of then goes back on it and comes up with a BS excuse for taking such big swings. But that was the hook originally. It's like, oh. Just as a fan of Metal Gear lore, I want to know the range that that series has. And technically, that game, I guess you can include it. Um, but man, I've uh, I've really been falling in love with my Steam Deck. I've had such a great time with that thing. And like, um, my wife's really been enjoying it, which is probably getting me more into it too. Now it's just fun to like, oh, we just sit outside every evening and just like hand off the Steam Deck. And also it's fun to like play co-op games because you can just take a USB-C cable and just plug it into the top and then... The other person can play with a controller. It's such a weird way to play like local co-op, but like it totally works seamlessly. It's really fun. Except for she's into uh, mini motorways, which is a, it's a cool game. I don't know if you ever played that one, but just making the roads and all that stuff. But yeah. she uses it like a touch screen. So now the screen is all scrubby and gross every time I get it. It's just like fingerprints everywhere, which really ruins the beauty of a handheld. Sorry. Hey, it's okay, man. I'll get over it. Um, hey, I'm sorry too. Really? Thanks, man. I'll get over it. Jeff, I'm doesn't care. I'm sorry you just called your wife's fingers scrubby and Well, they're gross. beautiful. They're, it's like uh, beauty grease. Yeah, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, hey, speaking of beauty grease, uh, how about that rail grade from the Nintendo Direct, huh? Yeah, those trains are running on beauty grease. Hell yeah. Uh, Epix uh, seems like releasing it, but it's, uh, if you like trains, you cannot have more trains than rail grade. Releasing this fall, everybody. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Leo, did you, uh, did you enjoy that Return to Monkey Island trailer they showed? I did. Uh, I think I only ever played, the first one was Secret, right? Secret of Monkey Island? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I played that one and I played Escape, which I think is the fourth one. Yeah, did you play that on PC? Yes. Well, Mac, of course. Well, please. But what I really want is the first two on Switch, those nice remasters. To refresh my memory before diving into this one, but for some reason they're not on Switch. Is that right? No, Monkey Island game is on Switch. Only this one is planned. That seems those those are actually how I played them for the the first time I ever played them was on Xbox Live Arcade. Was those two versions? Oh, really? Switch back and forth between the visuals and stuff like that. Yeah, that's weird. That is weird. Seems like they would prime the pump a little bit, but yeah, Return to Monkey Island. This is uh, the gameplay trailer here. Uh, Ron Gilbert's coming back, and it's the art director from. Tearaway and Nights and Bikes. Uh, Rex Crowley, who was on this podcast years ago, if you recall. Um, but yeah, they got. It seems like they got the voice for Guybrush Threepwood coming back. Leo, all that fun stuff. 
It seemed like it to me who cannot be trusted to know it. That sounds great. It's either that or we're absolutely confident it's Troy Baker. It's one of the two. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. it, it's such a simple pitch, but like I like, Kyle, that during a reaction stream, you're like, eh, that works, is when they said the story, the story this time is about finally finding the secret of Monkey Island. <laughs> Where it's like, it's been such a punchline for so many years. We're like, what is the secret of my kid? Like, eh, whatever. It's not really core of the story. But like, oh no, let's actually lean into the number one thing that people, I guess, have been wondering if you only know the name of these games. Yeah. It, I like, I, I've only played those first two, like I said, on Live Arcade, the sort of remastered versions. But like, there's. No, I don't know what the secret could possibly be. I don't think I care about the secret. I think it's right. just a fun element of the title, but I don't know. Sure. Yeah, hey, what are you going to do? Uh, they also showed uh, a new trailer uh, and talked a lot more about Live Alive. Uh, this is the game that's coming out July 22nd. This is the game that Square Enix made back in 1994 that is finally being released in the West. It was a surprise reveal a while ago. Um, this game, Live Alive, Kyle, uh, Tokita is the director, um, who co-directed Chrono Trigger. And this was his project right before directing Chrono Trigger. So it was like fun connection there. Also the designer, uh, of this game ended up being the director for Mother 3. So it's like crazy talent with Live Alive. And the music was by one, let me squint here, Yoko Shimamura. I've so, heard of her. Yeah, it's a big direct for Yoko Shimamura fans. Uh, but it seems very cool. So it was a Super Nintendo RPG that they're kind of giving the HD 2D treatment. And they had a whole um, Nintendo Treehouse Plays thing, which normally they would do during like E3 and stuff. But they only had one of them after the stream, and it was just to show off more Live Alive. So they played this game for like 40 minutes and kind of walked through it. And there's a demo that's available now with like three chapters, and you can continue your save from that. Um, but I didn't want to spoil anything too much, so I just watched most of that uh, Treehouse plays. But that remake is going a lot further than I thought. Like, I, I thought it was going to be kind of a glorified port, but it really seems like they're putting a lot of effort into this thing, which is so cool for such a deep cut for RPG fans. So you're, you're, you think you'll play it? Like, you're yeah. pretty well committed at this point? Okay. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely going to play this thing, and uh, we'll talk about it more later, later uh, Leo and Kyle and Jim. Uh, but I, I would like to take the deepest dive into this thing. But, hey, we'll see. that Maybe that's in the hands of viewers and listeners. We'll get to it a little bit later in the show. Uh, but, yeah, with this uh, uh, remake and the final release in the West, like, they're adding voices as well to this thing, and the combat's, like, a weird grid system. They added, like, a radar to tell you, like, it seems, like, where to go and stuff. But it seems really quirky, and the pitch, Jeff, with this thing is, it's called Live Alive, and it, you get to choose at the beginning which, um, which story you want to focus on. So it's a little bit like Octopath Traveler, except instead of them all taking place in the same time and same place, it's really weirdly, wildly different stories. Like, all right, you're starting an RPG, but you can choose to be this character in the Wild West. You can choose to be an astronaut. You can choose to be in, like, modern-day Tokyo. You can choose to be in ancient China. So it's just, like, wildly different scenarios. I'm really curious if they do all build together. I have no idea. That was another, I guess, not direct tie, but was reminding me of Chrono Trigger while I was watching it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is this looks interesting and going to all these different time periods or you know, selecting which one that you want to play through. Sounds really cool. It does seem very cool. And, you know, if 
If you're looking for anything to move a needle on Nintendo's interest of finally bringing Mother 3 stateside, like, you know. That's a good point. This, this is loosely connected, so if this thing flies off the shelves, maybe they would reconsider something. I know nobody bought Earthbound Beginnings, but maybe Live Alive could somehow, you know, kick some people loose in their, in their ivory tower over there in Washington. <laughs> Have them release it. Uh, let's see. Anything else stand out for anybody else from the, the whole showcase? Uh, I, I think when we at, for our reaction stream, I, I said that Mega Man uh, Battle Network was like one of actually the surprises for me. Like oh, I don't huge, know if yeah. I'm necessarily excited to play Mega Man Battle Network, but I just like that's just like one of those Game Boy Advance series that I was like, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Even though people really love that series, so I I think it's great. Like I think it's cool. Like that they're all coming to Switch. That's awesome. Oh yeah, I'm super excited. It's also coming to PS4 and Steam. But yeah, this is Mega Man Battle Network, and it, they're bundling. All of the games. So it's 10 games total, but it's a confusing thing because at a certain point, starting with three, they started splitting up those entries, kind of like Pokemon. So they have all those versions in there, and digitally it's going to be two separate versions, but physically now at least it's crazy to, in theory, have 10 games ready to go on this thing. Um, but yeah, the Battle Network games, I played the first one back in the day and really enjoyed it. Like, really, my Mega Man experience was... Mega Man Legends, and then Mega Man Battle Network. Like, I was kind of doing just the offshoots, but, like, I, I love that game. Leo, did you ever play Battle Network? I I really have not touched Mega Man, period, my whole life. Interesting. Well, maybe this would be an interesting uh, starting point for you, because, uh, Kyle, did you play it? Uh, I mean, a little bit. Okay. Not much, because I loved Mega Man X so much, I would always dabble in the sort of the spinoffs. And that one's not as action-y, so I was, like, less on board. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I guess you'd call it a tactics turn-based rpg or maybe just turn-based rpg but you get like chips that you use and you kind of build out your chip deck now leo these aren't cards these are chips <laughs> in Mega Man battle network yeah yeah that's Ed right that's up. right thank you uh but yeah the entire idea is like okay you play as lan who's this kid and you're going on this adventure and finding out what's wrong with the world and all this stuff and then Mega Man is just like a uh, program and so you're like hacking into different things and then like putting megaman.exe into this world and then you're going through like this cyberspace world you know good classic 2001 cyberspace style lore and going through and fighting viruses and fighting bad guys in this and so it's a fun like dual layered story of like LAN and Mega Man uh, but I, I like that I like that game man um, and then Kyle, I wonder what the total runtime is for 10 games that's a good question yeah, I mean, the split entries are kind of confusing, so I guess they're kind of six, but yeah, probably a lot. Uh, I saw that for Persona 5, it's something like, or for the Persona bundle, I saw how long to beat tweeted it out. It's like, oh, you'll be spending 342 hours with Persona if you get all of those, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, for this, I, the, it looked a little uh, worrisome because they had that filter on that was making everything look smoothed out, but you can turn that off in the game apparently mm -hmm. if you want your pixel art. But Kyle, do you nice. remember they made a Mega Man uh, TV show based on Battle Network? It was called Mega Man NT Warrior. No, I mean I remember there was a Mega. I remember the Mega Man cartoon, which is very old. Yeah, um, I love that. No, I didn't. I didn't know there was a Battle Network show. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, do you remember that other Mega Man TV show that happened like? four to five years ago we're like yeah i think my kid and i watched the pilot yeah and then that was we didn't keep going no it was where it's like mega man was like there was like a mega man mini inside of mega man's head and it was like the comic relief character like it was really it was, it was really a bit much um 
Also, apparently Star Force, I thought that that was in the same line as Mega Man Battle Network, like the DS series, but I guess that's technically considered another Mega Man run, which... Really? Yeah. I learned man, something, I man. I just know X. That's all I know. That's all you gotta know, man. Uh, hey, Pac-Man World is getting a remake? Finally. Uh, am I... Uh, too optimistic or absurd for seeing that trailer and thinking like this kind of looks fun maybe i will actually play pac-man world finally i i think there was positivity around those games when they came out yeah yeah i, I think, think they were like generally yeah like the reviews i think are kind of mid sevens going back and look at what people thought about pac-man world back in the day but um, you know miss pac-man's not even in it are you kidding me pac-man world she's been replaced with pac-mom because Ish. of a legal dispute Ishta. I know. Yeah, I saw that. What does that mean? It's that they take off her bow and they put on like a bonnet instead. And like, it's a new character. It's more to those characters than that. <laughs> I'm sorry. You How saw, dare you? You saw the cutscenes. You saw their meet cute. Yeah, that that world of. <laughs> yeah, how's the sex scene gonna play now? That's interesting. It's completely different. Uh, but yeah, Pac-Man uh, World repacks coming out August 26, 2022. So. Look forward to that, everybody. If you played those games, let us know how it goes. It's kind of in that weird case of they are pitching it as a quote-unquote full remake. But that phrasing is so loaded these days, I can never know what it means. Because I feel like the first I experienced it was maybe Sony with the um, Shadow of the Colossus on PS4. Where they're like, from the ground up remake. And then talking to the developers, they're like, no, it's not from the ground up. <laughs> it's like we fused new <laughs> elements with the old game. And then even like The Last of Us, like, like from the ground up remake. And so I don't know what that means at this point. And so full remake, that, what does that mean, Kyle? Look, it means they're remaking it fully, and you should stop asking questions <laughs> and just buy the game. There needs to it be means, legal... Please play Pac-Man. There needs to be legal <laughs> terminology that's very discreet for what type of project this is. Is it a remaster? Is it a remake? Is it a yeah. completely... Are they like, just swapping out the sort of uh, polygonal character model for the main characters and calling it a day? Or are they doing more than that? I, I need know. to know exactly what it is at all times. Um, let's see. They also showed a game called Blanc. Which looked yeah, interesting. Yeah, that looks cool. Yeah, so it's a, it is a game that Gearbox is publishing. It's from a first-time studio, but it's very artsy, black and white, um, little animal characters. Um, but it's all co-op is is the catch. So Kyle, you compared it to Eco for some of like the puzzles that they were showing off there. Yeah, I mean, based on not a lot really. Ultimately, it was just like oh, two characters in sort of a dilapidated location, sort of solving puzzles together. That's that's about where the line I drew to Eco was. <laughs> right, you know, like, right. It'd be completely different for all I know. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it, how it turns out. You know, first time studio, it's like, eh, well, we'll see how it goes. But uh, February 23rd for Blanc on Switch seems like a seems like a cool one. Uh, oh, uh, Near Automata coming out on Nintendo Switch. People are excited about yeah. that. Uh, and then yeah, uh, yeah, they said that the environments are rendered in 60 FPS, and I I don't know what that means. The environments are rendered. Yeah, 60 but I think Wario sixty four shared it from like the pre order details. So the character won't move at sixty frames per second, but like, like the I birds maybe, flying by will. Maybe the character like moves in the world at thirty frames per second to save processing. But if you're like rotating the camera to look at the world, that's at sixty. <laughs> Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't even know if that's a thing. That's very weird. Uh, another uh, highlight uh, that was a little bit under the radar, maybe, maybe until people finally caught up on like who's developing. But they released a game, or they announced a game called Lorelei and the Laser Eyes. 
which Good truly name. looks bizarre. It's a hell of a name. Uh, but it's releasing first on Nintendo Switch, and it looks like a puzzle mystery game. It had a lot of style for a while. I was like, oh, is this a sweary game? Like, what is this thing? It turns out it's from Samogo, who are the folks uh, who made Sayonara Wild Hearts and Year Walk uh-huh. and Device 6, um, but then also published by Annapurna. So there's some great talent behind this thing. I'm really curious to see how it ends up, but intriguing. It seems like an intriguing one for the Switch, but uh, they say 2023 for Lorelei and the Laser Eyes. Laura, 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 and the laser eyes. Um, let's see what else. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Sonic Frontiers. They showed Cyberspace. Everybody was Gaga. Minecraft Legends coming to Switch, of course. Dragon Quest Treasures seems interesting. Like monsters Which join is, your team. It is a spinoff of Eleven, I guess. Those because those two protagonists are in Eleven. It seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm kind of curious about that thing. December 9th, that thing's coming out. Um, Portal One and Two are released now on Nintendo Switch if you want to replay those suckers there. And maybe there's an opportunity to take the deepest dive into Portal 2. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll talk about it later. Um, Hey, do you all want to talk about uh, the rest of Nintendo's year? Break it down a little bit? Sure. Real real quick shout out. There was something... It was just kind of a weird how I came to it. There was this game. It was in the the final montage. Captain Velvet Meteor, the jump. Meteor, yes. Which was like a tactics game uh and like it, it looked cool it looked interesting but the th- i got this email uh, like a press release in my uh, inbox my game spot inbox today that was, like went to my junk junk folder and i like <laughs> thanks for oh, the I, yeah i wanted to clarify that and i and it has this is very specific and you, you're gonna not care hansen but yeah it has uh guest characters from shonen manga which i didn't uh-huh. realize and it has this character lloyd forger from this anime that is currently airing called spy x family that is fantastic. I love Spy X Family. And it's like, and it's becoming very popular. It's like one of those animes that I think is going to, you know, probably break into kind of the mainstream just because it's very good. And I was uh, really surprised to see this character like show up in this little game. And it's in the montage. It just went by so quickly that I missed it. Huh. Uh, so I just thought that was, I just thought that was really funny. And I'm sure, I'm sure someone in the comments will corroborate with me that Spy X Family is very good. I guarantee that. All the words you just said, Kyle, meant nothing to me, but that short snippet of the game did look interesting. So oh, I'm yeah, looking forward to that one. And what's it called again? Captain. Captain Velvet, Velvet Meteor. Meteor, the Jump Plus Dimensions. What? The, it's so hard to remember oh, about that. Oh, you have to have uh, Jump looked, Plus to play that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, did you know that the Max and HBO Max comes from Cinemax? That it's like the same logo treatment and it's like that's the idea of it? Yeah, because there are also things that are called like Max Originals. It's very confusing. Um, I can't imagine having the word Max in your title. It's kind of embarrassing. Hey, uh, yeah, so the rest of Nintendo's year, break it all down. Uh, obviously, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes uh, was released. Kyle said it's it's pretty good for a Musou yeah, like game. 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10, some would say. Uh, Mario Strikers Battle League uh, came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jeff, have you been playing that thing? I played some of it, yeah. Some of it. Uh, yeah, I played through the tutorial, and I played some matches, um, and then I raged quit twice in a row because it turns out it can be real frustrating mm. it's surprisingly on switch yes did you rage they, press the home button or did you rage press home and then <laughs> press close <laughs> software 
Um, that's a good question. No, I went. I went to the home menu and I did close it. I I took that extra step, right on, just to completely erase it from my mind. Smart. There's there's they've really packed a lot of controls into that game. Really, a lot of like very specific timing stuff in order to like combo the ball between your different characters and stuff. It turns out that's just not what I want from a. I don't want to have to learn that many. I'm not playing FIFA here. I just want to like run in and push people around and have fun. So it's too complicated sure. of a sports game, this Mario soccer game. Yes, I'm a I'm a big dumb baby, and I just I just want you know I want I want another Mario Golf, not a not a super. I don't know. It's, I think that's it's fair. Part, it's it's a me thing. It's it's a me thing. They they'll like just. <laughs> they'll steal the ball from you and score on you like five times in a row right before the timer runs out, and I just can't handle that. Yeah, I get it. Um, so do you think you'll ever go back to it? Will you ever think again they, about Mario Strikers I mean, there, there's like a there's a season mode that I wanted to. I joined like the Min Max, um, you know, club football oh, club. Look at that! And I I want to play some of that, and maybe that will that will make me like it more. Yeah. Yeah, but all right, okay. Not not setting the world on fire by any means, and I'm curious to see. I know people are kind of bummed out by the lack of content in their overall. Um, I'm curious to see how they update it uh, over time and whatnot. But I mean, they've certainly been getting a lot of those Mario sports games onto Switch. I just don't think any of them have mm-hmm. caught on in a way. Like Kyle, do you have a sense? Have we seen the MPDs yet? I mean, did like even Switch Sports, like the Wii Sports successor, did even that make a splash in any way? You know, I don't know. I don't. Th- think we've seen the npd for that yet yeah, maybe, maybe not yet but it's just it just seems bizarre that like that's one of the yeah. best-selling well, games i've ever had apparently everyone's too busy buying ring fit because like that yeah. has like outsold everything it's like the second biggest hit after like animal crossing or Mar- maybe a third after mario kart and animal crossing it's uh also you turned into a robot for the last word and it was kind of funny sounding uh Am I still a robot <laughs> no you're Currently? good you're good uh, okay. By the way, Shazira watching us live at the Backstage Pass tier, which you can do. And I, I heard some people being confused recently about the um, watching live thing. You can also watch the unedited archive as well if you want to hear us swear and pre and post show and all that stuff. Because that's all we do is we just yeah. say controversial things and swear. But uh, yeah, all those. All Here's those, one now. F- great, thanks. <laughs> um, so all those are saved. Uh, so if you want to go back and check that archive, you can you can check those out. It's not just live for everybody. Anyways, the point is Shazira watching us live. Uh, she says that they were convinced that wasn't you trying to join their league in the Mario Strikers Battle League. Yeah, I, I I sent out, like, the, you you need permission to join, so I sent out the, you know, request or whatever, uh, but I haven't turned it back on since. So. <laughs> You're denied. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, also, just for the rest of the year, for what we know about Nintendo, we got those two, then we got July 22nd, Live Alive, looking forward to that thing. July 29th, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, it's going to be huge. Uh, Kelsey Lewin, hopefully, will be on the podcast to talk about uh, her her thoughts about it. Um, I I love that first one so much. I didn't play the second one, and now I don't know. I don't know if I'll be jumping into three. Who knows? Um, September 9th, Splatoon three. That's coming up quick. Oh and wow! That's the thing, Kyle's like. Even if they have their Nintendo Direct, like in July for first party stuff, do you feel like you need to see more of Splatoon three? I feel like everyone kind of gets no. it. Like it's no. it's cool. Uh-huh. We'll probably get it. We'll probably enjoy it for a while. I mean, I, I think they can't they can't do a first party direct and not mention Zelda. So it's like let's just wait till we have yeah. something for Zelda. You know, that could be. Uh, and then November fourteenth, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, then they still say Bayonetta three is coming twenty twenty two. So look forward to that at some point. They're being cagey, but maybe they're they, maybe that'll be in the next direct. 
Um, and then Jeff Grubb just flipping burgers over there in big old giant bomb land, letting the rumors fly. Um, yes, he's saying that uh, this holiday also we're going to get a Metroid Prime 1 remaster. Just one, huh? Yeah, just one. That apparently the sequels are pretty much done in development, but they're saving those to trickle those out. And I guess the sequels aren't getting quite the remaster treatment that one is. One is actually going to be like remastered, whereas two and three are just kind of going to be glorified ports, I guess, to the Switch whenever mm-hmm. they come. Um, but Kyle, I know you played Metroid Prime 1. What, just a, yeah, two for, years for ago, the maybe? first time, like recently, like yeah. in 2019 or 2020, that was the first time I played it with like kind of the idea of like, I'll play this. And then when the re- when that sort of, you know, finished remake that's been on the shell, you know, in Nintendo's vault for the last two decades or whatever, mm-hmm. I'll, that's I'll play two then. And then I, I did play three when it came out on Wii back in the day. So, right, but yeah. I mean, playing it recently, like held up great. I, so yeah, cool. I, I I would probably at least start it again on Switch. I don't know if I'd complete it, but yeah. Yeah, so that's that's nice sign that maybe Metroid Prime 4's development is at least making progress if the rumors are saying that they're going to be releasing this thing uh, this year to try and get some of that hype rolling maybe for the build to Metroid Prime 4, but who knows? But yeah, it'll be exciting to have a, a great play in Metroid Prime 1 on Switch. Um, hey, did anybody check out that game that I mentioned in Slack called The Looker? I watched no, a few I, minutes no. of you streaming it. Okay. Um, that's, that's, and I know Dunky did a video great. on it, right? Yeah. Which I was kind of hesitant to watch as much as I enjoy his videos. It's like, I don't think I want anything spoiled. I think I want to check this out a bit first. He is pretty fast and loose with spoilers in his videos, and it kind of drives me nuts. But you know what? When he's that good, I guess you got to let it run. But um, yeah, The Looker, yeah, it was, um, I found it on Steam. I was just streaming last Thursday, and I'm like, what is this thing? It's free on Steam, and it's sitting at overwhelmingly positive for the reviews. And just based on screenshots, it looks like The Witness, like the 2016 game from Jonathan Blow. And so I just jumped into it and started streaming it, and it was like, it was a great game to stream without any expectations. It, it is very much like The Witness meets The Stanley Parable. It's like a comedic take on The Witness, but also the puzzles in this get to be surprisingly clever and cool in and of themselves. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like if you really love the witness and you miss the witness and are looking for like just a comedic way to kind of go through on that, go through and have some of those feelings again, uh, check out the looker on well, the, steam. I don't I, I, of an eight year old game. Yeah, basically. Isn't that bizarre? Interesting. A very, well, I don't know. I guess would you call the witness niche? I don't know. Maybe not. No, I think it's but, sold uh, surprisingly well. But uh, the, I don't, I've, unfortunately, I don't remember who said it, or maybe it, it might have even been like on their Steam page or something. But the thing that made me download it uh, on my Steam Deck was someone saying, "If you love the Witness, you'll love the Looker. If you hate the Witness, you'll love the Looker." <laughs> yes, and I was exactly. Like, okay, that, that's a good pitch. I want to check this out. Yeah, because it starts out, it's like, okay, the puzzles are like comedically easy versions of Witness puzzles, and then it starts getting a little stranger and stranger, and it's. It's uh, surprising. They got they got a lot of just fun, good gameplay jokes in there and kind of twists and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it, it was weird to think about. I guess it's, what, six years since The Witness. Okay. But it was weird to do that math about, like, remember what a lifetime it was between Braid's release and The Witness's release? Like, we are coming up on that line between The Witness and now Jonathan Blow's next game, and we still haven't heard about it. Like, I think it could be another... Well, Couple it's years. the Braid remake. I'm sure that's what he's working on, right? Which they said was coming out in 2021, and 
as far as I can tell, it's been radio silence about that Braid remaster since that. Mm. So it's it's a weird case over there. I'm curious what's going on in Jonathan Blow land. But if hey, if you're missing Mr. Blow, check out the looker. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking at the game's developer. Jonathan Blow. I'll be dead. Uh, no, it's from... Jonathan Suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Subs Creation Studios is the name of, this, of the team that made The Looker, but it's a cool, weird thing. Um, Jeff, do you want to keep talking about games, or what do you want to do? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. I want to talk about a reveal that I missed this week, but Kyle, since you're all things mobile over there, and Mr. Mobile Land over there at GameSpot, I'm yeah. curious if, if you saw it or you have thoughts on it. Um... Did you see uh, Niantic's new game that they announced this week? Uh, yes, NBA All World. I was in a presentation <laughs> for it and wrote uh, a big news story for GameSpot.com about it. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, NBA All World, it's called. It's the Pokemon Go developers making an NBA game. Okay, I just saw like Axios's quick report on it, but the part that I think is fascinating is, and maybe they went into more detail, but the idea is they'll have like cosmetics that you can get like hey get some shoes for your nba character as your leo i understand what's confusing about this it's like pokemon go but it's about the nba and you collect nba players you have to go to a physical basketball court to play is that right yeah wait and to the point where they're uh we were like so i don't remember i wish i remember who they, they took a q a at the end and I, I i wish i got credit who asked them but they were like that seems like that limits you know where you'll actually be able to play this game but and i guess they're going to include they're going to have a lot of retail locations and then also add parks that don't have basketball courts apparently is the long term plan that's not fun what about i mean not play but like to compete if you want to play like pvp or something i think there's kind of something fun about like you have to go to a basketball court yeah to yeah. play this game that's um, how it's going to work initially. Apparently, eventually, you'll be able to just play someone who's near you. But at launch, you have to go to a basketball court to play one-on-one basket, virtual basketball. <laughs> all right, sure. Um, but the part that blew my mind is they're talking about like, oh, you can get cosmetics and unlock shoes and all this stuff. But you have to go to a real-world store to get this in-game item. And so I'm just fascinated about how that works as a business. The idea of like... They just will make partnerships. I'm really fascinated by Leo's (laughs) facial expressions. (laughs) Maybe you're kind of reading about it as Hanson's explaining it as well. It's like a mix between like horror and sort of uh, interest. (laughs) (laughs) That's everything you've been saying has been a very confusing layer on top of everything else I'm thinking about and learning. (laughs) Which is when my first thought was, doesn't Niantic have like 18 living games going currently? Yeah. And then I saw a story broke this morning yes. that they're canceling four upcoming projects. And Wizards Unite, the Harry Potter one, is already shut down. It's already dead. Uh, yeah, so they had, right now, uh, Ingress, I guess, is still going on. Pikmin Bloom, still going strong. Wizards Unite uh, has been buried in a shallow grave. Um, Jeff, I'm sorry to say, Catan World Explorers, based on Southern of Catan, <sighs> that was shut down in November. Then they had announced Transformers Heavy Metal, and then... They announced it, and they said this is coming out last year, and then just silence, and turns out, yep, that's one of them that's getting canned. They announced a Peridot. I don't know if there's a better way to pronounce that. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah, but that's coming in 2022, but that seems like it's focusing on kind of like a Tamagotchi angle. Like, what if Pokemon Go was just all about building up a relationship with one Pokemon? Um, and so it's just kind of like custom little monsters in their own IP, but I'm, I'm interested in that one. I do think it might be kind of cool. Me too. In a Tamagotchi-like way. Um, here's here's my problem with Niantic games. They take so damn ass long to load. Mm, that's interesting. 
I would stick with any of them much longer if it wasn't such a long loading process. Well, to be fair, it's probably a decent walk to the nearest basketball court for you, so you need something to do, right? Stare at the loading court. It'll take a while. That's right. Um, Can anybody remember, can anybody name more AR games, Pokemon Go clones that have been released? It was a Garfield one. Oh, that's right. Minecraft one. Minecraft Earth, yep, they shut that one down. Uh, everybody remembers Ghostbusters World, of course. Right. That, that was shut down. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic World Alive. I don't know if it's Ugh. still alive. Um, <laughs> they released The Walking Dead colon Our World. <laughs> These aren't Niantic games. These are just Niantic clones, you know. Uh, the Witcher Monster Slayer. Uh, we all remember that one. Apparently that's, I think, out now. It's just a bizarre little subset world. And then, yeah, Leo, you mentioned that Bloomberg had that story about how I was fascinated by this. They said they cut 8% of their staff because they canceled four projects. 8% of their staff was 80 to 95 jobs. I was like, Jesus, how many people are over there at Niantic? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, in that cut, the Transformers game got cut. Uh, two projects which seemed like code names, Blue Sky and Snowball. Uh, and then, gen- I, I'm not messing with you, Genuinely one of my most anticipated games since it was announced years ago, uh, which was Niantic's collaboration with Punch Drunk, which is a theater production house. But in this story, uh, they announced that it was based on Hamlet. And then now it's no more. And that is heartbreaking. They couldn't figure that out, huh? To make a Hamlet AR game? That sounds amazing. (laughs) Like Pokemon Go Hamlet from a... Really artsy theater Pokemon company. That's what they were making. Like, who doesn't want I know, to see that what that is? is very How does that work? I know. Remind me of the themes of Hamlet. Well, it's all about his dad, and there's something rotten in Denmark, and then he holds the skull, and then ooh, something rotten lies within <laughs> Leo. So, uh, okay, you have to, so you, you have can to walk like, it. put the skull in your in the park in front of you or whatever well yeah i think you might have yeah, to, you have to walk into the busiest intersection by your house and scream <laughs> to be or not to be <laughs> um no i genuinely was so curious what that was because yeah punch drunk they're very into immersive theater that's that's their whole thing and um i went to london for the batman arkham knight cover story trip with game informer and went to the immersive play the first one i'd ever been to and i knew nothing about it but it was called the drowned man and it was like in an old warehouse and it was five floors and the premise was this is an old movie studio from the 30s and now there's a murder or something gone wrong and it's just exploring five floors of this abandoned warehouse with like different movie sets on each floor and like the fifth floor was like a movie about mars and they hauled in just like a ridiculous amount of sand to make like sand dunes in this warehouse on the fifth floor and all the lights around. It was genuinely one of the most impactful artistic experiences of my life. Like it blew my mind. And so the idea of that studio teaming up with Niantic to make some weird mind bending AR game. I was so into it. So point is I reached out to them to try and get some more details. Like, Hey, if that's canceled, could you just come on Minmax and just tell us what that was going to be for the Hamlet Pokemon go game? Cause I really want to know. Have you so. have you seen the movie? Have you seen Cynic Doki New York? Um, I've I've seen Poke or Doka V the trailer. <laughs> no, no, no. This Synecdoche. <laughs> this is a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Synec- No, I think it's called Cynic Doki, right? Isn't that it's pronounced different? It's is it's it really? A, it's a play on the location. Yeah, it's a play on the city. But really, I, 
But the I could be wrong about that. Okay. Anyway, it, the what, the things you're talking about would make you enjoy this movie, Hanson. Really, check it out. really yeah. interesting. All right, uh, I want real quick before we move on from Niantic. Uh, yeah. I just, NBA All World. What, they described it as um, how do they what do they say? It? The NBA lifestyle meets the real world metaverse. And I was and I asked them. I was like, what what do you what do you mean by the term metaverse? Like, what do you what do you think it means? I'm sorry, your mic's and, breaking up, Kyle. We we can't answer this. Let's move on to the next question about microtransactions, please. No, but they, yeah, pretty much. They're they're basically the the sort of uh, the quote. I won't read the full quote, but they were basically like, well, for, for us, the metaverse is the real world. <laughs> like, well, does anyone know what the <laughs> what doing with the word metaverse? Like, we're all just making up our own definitions for what this thing is. It's very strange. My favorite. So metaverse. the real world is a metaverse. That's yes. Uh, at Niantic, what we look at with the metaverse is really what we call the real world metaverse. <laughs> And there's more. My Holy cow. Plug, plug my GameSpot story. My favorite Metaverse game uh, was watching kids play basketball the other day outside. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Jeff, Hello. do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, on the real world metaverse. That's right, everybody, which you can find MinMax's Metaverse over there at patreon.com slash MinMax with two ends. If you like the show, you can help to support the show directly. Write to us by going to patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. There is a tier that's right for you. Try it. Just uh, try it for one month. See if you enjoy the benefits because we're feeling confident that you will. Um, and here's the thing, everybody. Little heads up. Uh, we had uh, somebody reach out. Um, PAX reached out. Apparently PAX West is coming up in September. It's September 2nd to uh, Monday, September 5th. Um, and they said, hey, do you want to do a giveaway uh, for five free four-day badges to go to PAX West. And so wow. we said, sure. So if you're feeling safe, and, you know, they, they have all their stuff posted about the safety precautions they're taking there, but if you're masked up and you're immunized and you want to go to PAX West, you feel confident in it, um, you can follow MinMax Show on Twitter or follow us on Instagram. It's MinMax Show, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there. And we'll have um, some giveaways and a very good chance for you to win a four-day badge to go to PAX West in early September. So if you're in the Seattle area, this is a great opportunity for you because those are worth like hundreds of dollars. So please enjoy, everybody. Um, and thank you to supporters like the folks who made Ticket to Ride San Francisco. They want everybody to know about a new version of Ticket to Ride. This is Ticket to Ride San Francisco, available at Target. Jeffum, this is a new version which adds tourist tokens, uh, and it's an easy-to-learn game. You can learn it in about three minutes, and it is more portable than the baseline version of Ticket to Ride. So if you want to travel, hell, if you want to travel to San Francisco with this thing, you can do it with Ticket to Ride San Francisco. It's appealing for beginners, eight years old and plus, they say, also for experienced players. Do you ever have that urge, Jeffum? Just like, I should go back and play more uh, Ticket to Ride, because that, game, uh, that game's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they and they've certainly come out with enough different versions that I think, even even if you've played it a bunch, you can, you know, you have your your options of there something that's a little bit different, a bunch right. of different little twists. There it is, so. like Ticket to Ride San Francisco. There's a link below if you're interested in checking it out. Also, there's a link below for Dust Biters. I am Eight Bits Dust Biters, everybody. This is the second edition that's out. It is a quick and furious tabletop card game, Mad Max inspired, but uh, it's a beautiful, simple two-player tabletop game where it's just 21 cards, but there's so much variety and strategy in those 21 cards. Uh, Jeffum played in my backyard not too long ago. What'd you think, Jeffum? 
a beach twice. Yeah, so therefore it has to be good. I loved it. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, but Dust Biters, everybody, there's a link below if you want to check that out. And also you can go to I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store and you can use the promo code JUNEBUG, all one word, JUNEBUG, and you can get 10% off everything under $100. So help support them because they help support us in a big, bad way. We appreciate it. All right, and... They are so generous and so kind and so just beautiful. Um, what iMapeIt does is they give out a prize in each and every week to the MinMax community, whoever submits the best question over there on Patreon. Because if you support us at any tier, not only do you help support independent games media, not only can you compete in Trivia Tower every month, not only can you submit a bunch of stuff for the deepest dives, but also you can submit questions for us to answer on this show, and then we choose our favorite each and every week, and then that person wins a prize. And this week, iMapeIt is shipping out the vinyl soundtrack to the Muppets movie. What's better than that? Can you imagine going to your mailbox? Me like, oh, um, great, another Tuesday. Woe is me. And you open up your freaking mailbox? There's a vinyl soundtrack to the Muppets movie? That's going to make you feel good, Leo. My life doesn't suck today. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so thanks to I Am 8-Bit uh, for shipping that prize out to the Minimax community. And you can help support them by going to their store. Uh, all right. Uh, my voice is bad. So I am now passing the baton. Hang on, Kyle. It's the baton. But the baton's uh, oh, got it. to your got it. no, it's, it's to your side, Kyle. Ready? Which side? That yeah, side? Yeah, yeah, ready? Okay, and take okay. the baton. Here we go. All right, I got it. <laughs> baton passed off. That'll look good in post, right? That'll look better in the... Oh, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into it. Um, this first question is from Matt Man McKenna. Hey, MinMax folks, more and more I look at the increasing Switch library and can't help but smile. The amount of weirdo games available on that thing to play handheld is incredible. With the amount of re-releases of older games coming to Switch, is there a game you played when it initially came out but never finished and was able to go back and complete it on Switch? For me, it's Final Fantasy XII, which yeah. I played a ton on PS2 but never finished until the Switch release. And please don't stop doing drive through review. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I have a few of these. My my big one though is uh, the Onimusha Warlords for PlayStation Two. Oh yeah, I played that game at a friend's house without a memory card a lot, and it was always one of those games that I was like, "What is the rest of that game look like?" I was always kind of fascinated by it. And when it came out on Switch, like I put it time aside and played through Onimusha and finally finished it. And it really um, excelled at being a handheld experience for you. It was it was honestly it was it was good on Switch. It it was cool. I liked it. That's a weird one where Capcom's like, we're re-releasing Onimusha. Here's Onimusha one. We'll hey, get what, back to you. Yeah, what's that over <laughs> there? Yeah. Well, I think two has issues with licensing an actor's uh face. I think oh, really? But one does too though, so I don't know. They should put the um the old Spider-Man from Insomniac in that as a replacement. Mm, that'd be good. That'd be good. Remember when Insomniac um, said, hey, we can't have the same actor for the new version on PS5 of Spider-Man because his bones don't work with our tech. <laughs> Was that what yeah. they said? That's what they said, yeah. It, and look, I, I'm not calling them liars. I'm just saying, show me one other example of that happening in the game industry and then I'll, I'll, I will rest easy. You haven't seen his bones. <laughs> that is true. That is true. true. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, your question was good. Uh, just three days ago, I finally beat Grim Fandango after not being able to beat it as a kid because of a game-breaking glitch. I finally beat it on the train on Switch, nice. and I got closure, and it was everything I hoped for and more. You know what? Uh, that's that's great. Genuinely, was it the? I know we talked about it a lot about whether or not it holds up and stuff, but like, did the story live up to everything you're hoping by the end there? 
Yeah, I mean, it maybe ends a little quick. Yeah. You know, a little anticlimactic maybe, but like the story is fantastic. The writing's so good. The music, the art. Everything. Excellent game. Yeah, God, I, without spoiling anything, I just remember there's that scene towards the end where there's the head and it just says, Ola Manuel. And like that killed me as a kid. Like that just little stupid moment was the best. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. The finishing on Switch. Switch is such a good dabbler, I guess, for me. And I guess yeah. it, is it kind of got Thomas was alone and played through that over the break on Switch. And that was kind of a nice one to have. Just nice short experience there. What was the, the Resident Evil, the, the episodic Resident Evil? Revelations, yeah. Revelations 2. I, I finally finished that on Switch. That's I started it on PS4. Ow, ow, ow. Yeah. Streets yeah, of yeah. Rogue, I beat the game with almost all the characters now on Switch. Mm. Nice. You More did, time man. in that than PC. All right, this next one is from Ramses Garcia. Hello, Benjamin and the gang. Does Sonic the IP have the biggest difference between quality and money made? Those Genesis games were a long time ago. They were... They were. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's probably some terrible movie franchise that <laughs> outdoes it, right? <laughs> uh, movies. Yeah, that's tough. I think like just games. Like, yeah. I don't know. Obviously, you know, people. It, there's got to be some kind of free to play mobile thing that just makes mm. complete bank because it it like nickels and dimes people and is totally pay to win. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if this is yeah, that maybe. example, but I just. The Axios uh, video game newsletter, like the daily newsletter, I think is really great. I recommend subscribing there. Um, you just get a little email in your inbox that, like, I think I follow the games industry pretty closely, but I still learn something almost every little newsletter. But they were talking about how they're making a sequel to the mobile game Subway Surfers. And like, well, everybody knows Subway Surfers is one of the most popular games in the world. I was like, what? I looked in and it's like yeah. 100 million players of Huge. Subway Surfers. I've never heard of that in my life. And it just looks like a crappy temple run. Like, what is it, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, my, my kid plays it. And what? then, yeah, the, the sort of spinoff sequel is coming to Apple Arcade, which is kind okay. of interesting because it is very much, a, you know, a microtransaction driven game. But it's like, it's not, it, that's one of those ones that like, I honestly wouldn't say is bad. It's like a totally okay. solid endless runner. I think it just has a style that is appealing to young players and they get into it that way. So but it, I don't think it's like there are Sonic games that are like actively bad. I don't think Subway Runners is actively bad. It's just kind of, you know, it has too many microtransactions. Yeah. Hang on. Is it Subway Runners or Subway Surfers? Uh, it might be Surfers. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't, in the game space, yeah, the mobile thing might be it, but it's it's interesting. Like Just Dance, I think of, but like, those games are fine. They're just kind of yeah. cheaply made, you know, but those have made so much money for that for Ubisoft. But like, I think there's something to that for the biggest chasm between game quality and overall money made for the IP. Yeah. I, yeah the Sonic hype around when Sonic Mania came out was electric. For Sonic fans <laughs> actually having a game to rally around, it's like, this is a good one. Yeah. That was exciting. And I think we we're all hoping it was a sign of a, a changing tide rather than a one-off uh, fluke. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, all it we know for sure. Frontiers, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see Sarah Pazorski smile the biggest smile she's ever smiled when Sonic Frontiers comes out and she goes to that <laughs> cyberspace level. Pff, look out, world! Look out, Sarah's dentist, because her <laughs> teeth are going to be on display. I don't know. <laughs> uh, from Christian uh, Garcia here. Hi, gang. Given the popularity of Neo, ne mm. let me start. Oh, tell my dog. Hi, gang. Given the popularity of neon white. I'm left wondering, are we all freaks? 
Yes, we are, Christian. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm not a freak. Yeah, yeah the, the marketing campaign was banking on, well, this game will do okay if there's freaks on the internet. And then <laughs> let's just say the freaks came out at night, baby. That's, that was the Resident Evil Village uh, marketing pitch too, I think. Right? I think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah, perverts assemble. <laughs> No, Perverts Assemble, that's the other Niantic game they had to shut down recently. It did not go well. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was bad. In hindsight, that was a bad call. Yeah, that was, yeah I don't know what they were thinking there. Uh, Andrew Martin asks, uh, or says rather, Hey, Hanson and the cohorts, y'all are the best. Okay, praise aside, praise aside, when it comes to leftovers, is there a specific type of food you absolutely won't bring home to eat the next day? For me, it tends to be chicken-related meals because I find that chicken is typically terrible reheated in the microwave. Also, fish doesn't count. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, Obviously, salad. I feel like mm. that probably doesn't count either. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Anything that's that's in any way wet. I hear what they're saying with chicken. It's so good, but unless you have, like, an air fryer, heating up chicken with crispy skin, it's, it's going to be a bummer. I reheated a... Uh, my Popeye's chicken sandwich I got on a drive-thru review yesterday. Yeah. I took the patty out and put it on a pan in the oven for like eight minutes and then had the buns join it for the last two minutes. And that was better than fresh. Really? Amazing. Oh, really? Uh, I, I don't microwave a lot of stuff. I really like, I'll, I would sooner eat something cold than microwave it usually. Just because I don't like, yeah, I don't like, I'll, like air fryer and oven heating, absolutely. But microwaving, I just feel like ruins it all the way. But uh, to for towards Andrew's questions, like French fries, I feel like I just they're done. Like microwave is no good. Find yeah. a good way to, to deal with them. No, let me tell you, I don't have an air fryer. Maybe that works too. Probably, I feel like that's the solution everybody gives for everything. It's, mm. It sounds amazing. Um, if you just have a cast iron pan and you put oil in it and heat up just a, a little bit of like a quarter inch of oil, put the fries in it. Once the oil's hot, flip them once. In like five minutes, they're they're fresh again. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I, I have a, a garbage mouth and a garbage stomach, so like I will, and I'm cheap, so I will take anything home and try and reheat it. But I, I'm with you where the lazy man like fries in a microwave. It's like it's a real bummer, but I'll I'll eat it. I'll I'll do anything. Leo, I think I think the world wants to know um, how you're feeling after drive-through review yesterday. Just for uh, let's let's set the saged a little bit here so this is um, our new show plus show each and every week we let ten dollars supporters vote for which new show we create or continue with new show plus it's the whole it's the whole gimmick um this is the second episode in a row where the community has voted for drive-through review and so in this episode it was leo going on a speed run to see how many drive-throughs he could get through in exactly one hour and because of my voice we had dan reichert jump in as the co-host and uh uh, Jeff, how was your experience of that? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously after the first episode, we already ran out of ideas on how to make a drive through review show actually work. So we went with the speed run. And I can't, I'm still just flabbergasted in hindsight that we didn't realize as soon as that show started, Dan was going to be the most like concentrated version of Dan we've ever seen because that show was just absolutely made for him to be a jackass. Yeah, and, wh- why and, do you think? Why do you think I reached out to him? I knew exactly uh, that it was exactly up his alley, and it was going to unleash some giant bomb beast. I dare say. Yeah, but you unleash it on poor Leo. <laughs> Leo's too polite. I was, I was amazed. It was like so, Leo. How? Okay, walk us through. Yeah, how did it go? How did it unfold? What was beastly about it? Um, I mean, Riker definitely took responsibility for 
coming up with the orders for me. He was very excited about that, but <laughs> yeah. also about weird phrases I should say at the drive-thru and things like that, which I didn't anticipate as part of the show when we pitched it for episode one. But <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a it was a fun, fine element. And, and and by the end we just had you frantically running around on foot trying to find any place that you could go in and eat your giant slop bag of oh fast God. food. Yeah. It it yeah. I'm sorry, Leo. It made me laugh so much. I was just like watching it. Kyle, I don't know if you watched this thing. I, uh, I'm going to now. This sounds amazing. Like it ending with <laughs> Leo taking all of the fast food items and dumping it into a giant plastic bag, which like Popeyes gave you or something. <laughs> and then having yeah. that bag. And the part that killed me is then Dan was trying to convince Leo to park his town, park his town, park his car in Uptown and go to the movie theater and order one ticket for Elvis with just like a Santa bag filled with fast food <laughs> stuff and then just go eat it by himself in the theater watching Elvis. Like that image is the funniest idea. Walk out looking <laughs> like Tom Hanks. In the yeah, no kid, no kid. Um, but Leo, I, I was just amazed that you were like playing along with Dan when he was asking you to say phrases to like not being a dick, but just saying weird things to people as you're going through the drive through. Was that just like, well, you've liked Dan's work and you like giant bombs, so I guess you have to now? Or like, what was what was the agreement philosophy in your mind? I mean, I know I could have said that's not part of the show and it probably would have <laughs> been fine, but I, I don't know. It sounded fun to me too, you know? And it's not that hard. <laughs> you just say something weird to somebody you'll never see again and they pretty much ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it is a really funny, weird episode, so you can check it out on our YouTube channel. Yeah, um, but I, to the answer the question, I was oh, yeah. feeling fine enough to have that spicy chicken sandwich last night. So. All right. There, there you go. go. There we go. All right. Uh, this is from Jeffum's Backlog, oh. which is a great screen name. Uh, mere three months ago, Ben Hansen, fair host of this very podcast, proclaimed this about Elden Ring. I can't imagine a world where I won't beat this. There's no universe where I won't <laughs> beat it. So, uh, you know, how Ben, how's that Elden Ring playthrough going? You, you touched on this a little earlier. Well, yeah, this is before I shifted to the alternate universe. It was a multiverse situation. America Chavez mm -hmm. punched a hole and I jumped through it. Um, so we're now living in that. Oh, very star-shaped. By the way, quite the coincidence. Name's America, star-shaped. I think, I think this is some made-up stuff, Marvel. Uh, <laughs> the point is... Uh, we own the stars. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I have not finished Elden Ring yet. Um, and I, I, to be fair, I love it. It's it's still my favorite game of the year. I know that's that seems insane, but I got a little derailed with the whole wedding and thing, and and I tried going back to it, and it was just the worst because I apparently my save was in the middle of like a complicated castle in the snow, like that is the exact area I'm at where I'm like, how am I supposed to remember where the hell I'm supposed to go here? So I played it for a bit, and then was like, I need. I need Twitch chat to like guide me through this to get me back in that Elden Ring groove, and I didn't want to go on Twitch to subject people to my voice. I said I gotta have save this fought, bad voice for the podcast. Have you fought a giant? Have you fought a? Giant? I haven't I fought the fire guy yet. If that's what okay. you're insinuating, no. Because if you're out in the snow area, you're, I'm a little ways into the snow. You had some pretty good progress made there. For yeah, sure. I um, yeah, I went across the little. There's a very narrow bridge in the snow. Yeah, that was a real annoying little part there. But I I hear legend that I have a tough boss coming up. So yeah, I I am going to finish it. We we will rectify the universes and make them collide and create one one true universe again 
by me finishing Good. that game by the, by the end of the Thanks year. For a universe, you might call it. Yeah, we're going to call it a universe. <laughs> Love it. Uh, let's see. Uh, James asks, uh, I recently finished Vampire, the Masquerade Swan Song, and have very strong opinions about it, the good and the bad sides of it. I actually have stronger feelings about it than an objectively better game, Horizon Forbidden West. Mm. Yeah, objectively, I don't know. Is that a thing, really? Yeah. My question is, why not? do y'all think there is a case to be made that playing bad and mediocre with, in- let's see, playing bad and me- mediocre games with interesting ideas is more worthwhile than playing AAA games, which simply check the boxes of a good game, tells a decent story, and calls it a day? What do you guys think? First, it comes down to personal taste, but for me, I think so. I, I, find I do I, get if I have a better chance of finding something that hits with me. I do like, yeah, I do tend to leave an ex, an like, for lack of a better term, like a strange video game experience, like with more on my mind and more to think about. Even if there was like things where I was like, well, the combat was not fun and like it was hard to get behind cover or something, you know, like those little things that would probably be better executed by a, a larger studio. But I, I think there's an interesting idea there. Yeah. It's tough, especially Vampire the Masquerade specifically. It's like I have that game through Epic and still haven't bothered to download it because I haven't heard like one thing about it. And that's sometimes where those mediocre games can fall into. It's like it might have something in it that's your favorite thing of the year, but it's middling in so many ways that people don't bother to evangelize it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I always like the um, Easy Allies has the phrase that swimming in sevens. Like, sometimes those 7 out of 10s are just, like, the most interesting games. I think, like, Stranger of Paradise is an interesting game to unpack and try and wrap your mind around, you know? I think it kind of falls in that camp. Yeah. Hanson, am I free to jump around on these, or do you want me to go down the list? Hey, man, you follow your heart. Follow my heart, he says. Uh, Let's see. Hey, uh, Henrik Mortensen asks, (laughs) Hello. Did you know that the movie Scorpion King 5 Book of Souls is a sequel to a sequel to a sequel to a sequel of a spin-off prequel of a sequel to a remake? Scorpion King 2 is a prequel to the first Scorpion King, which is a spin-off prequel to the second Mummy movie. The first Mummy movie is a remake of the classic one from 1932. That one wasn't a question. It's not a question, but it's a good bit of insight. (laughs) I'll have to double check his sequel math in the beginning, because how many sequels does he include there? I feel like that's a mess. Sequel, 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 sequel. Like four, looks like, yeah. But it's, oh, the sequel, okay. Yeah, that checks out. Okay. Is it good? Unbelievable. Probably not. I'm sure it's terrible. Oh. We just talked about it. It's uneven, but it's a more interesting experience, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, uh, I don't think you have a name on this one, Hanson, but uh, let's see. Hello, folks. I've been playing through... The Sonic Origins compilation, having a great time reminiscing about my childhood, but it's also brought back a long dormant fear of mine. Instant Death Crushers. There are certain hazards in these games that double my heart rate as soon as I see them, specifically the cylinders in Scrap Brain Zone and the Black Pistons in Metropolis Zone. Anytime I'm speeding along and suddenly find myself running underneath one of these things, I instantly gasp and shut my eyes until I make it past or die. So my question is, do any of you have any fears or phobias that you got from video games. That's Jared Pierce, by the way, that wrote in with that one. I don't think so. There are things I find scary in video games, certainly, but I don't think I've developed phobias from playing a video game. I don't think. Well, I've I've mentioned one many times, and it's that um, it's a fear of 
I guess ultimately things underneath me in the water from that stupid Mario level with the giant eel. Like that, <laughs> yeah, that freaked me out okay. so much as a kid. And every now and then, if I'm in a boat or something, it's it's also the realization that like even even though the water's right there, you're in a in a weird way, it's it's almost like a fear of heights because it's like if you think about where the actual ground is, it's, you know, like hundreds of feet below you. And for some reason, that every now and then that kind of freaks me out. And I wonder, like, is there something big swimming under me? I love that. Like, you know, we talked about it, but that was one of the weirdest recurring themes when we took the deepest dive into Super Mario 64 was so many people wrote in and talked about how scary that game was. Like, that game was, like, weirdly traumatic for a lot of gamers out there. It's like, I guess, like the kind of boo carnival area is unsettling and the music is weird, but like so many things about that game freak people out. It's bizarre. There is a giant alligator in Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb that really scared me as a kid and made me scared that that was going to happen to me. You know, it's a swimming section and the alligator can come get you from behind or whatever. There's something so scary about like, I'm safe now and I have to choose to go into this water to progress. Yes. So it's like yes. took summoning a lot of courage as a kid. And you said, <laughs> what state has the fewest amount of alligators? I will live in Minnesota. Exactly. Smart. But yes. no Indiana Jones here either. <laughs> you know what? It's a bit of a trade off. Uh, Mason Parker writes, Hey Ben and the crew, better quest goal complete. Today, after almost three years of writing, learning, editing, and learning some more, I finally self-published my first novel. Mm. I'm so proud of it. And all of the support I've gotten from friends and family, I almost didn't hit my goal publishing it before the end of June, but I managed to get there just in time. Thanks so much for your support. You guys are amazing. Look at that. As amazing as you, Mason Parker. Uh, The book is called Elementus, which is spelled E-L-Y-M-E-N-T-I-S. It is on the Kindle store right now, and it will be free from June 28th to July 3rd. We'll edit that part out, but congratulations. That's a, that's a hell of an accomplishment. I haven't written a book. I guess Kyle has. But not like a, not like a fiction. Like, that seems hard. Yeah. High rules real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. This is how you learn, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kyle wrote a book about Zelda for everybody. Uh, yeah. No, congratulations. That's awesome. Way to go. Finish yeah, the book. Yeah, that's great. Very proud of you. Let's see. Um, Gerald Pryor writes, Hey, folks, congrats on the wedding, Hanson. Thank you. I just got married recently, too, and totally resonated with the discussion about playing games while wearing a ring the first time. It was taking me a bit bit to get used to it, but then I remembered the complimentary silicone bands our ring maker threw in for us. Mm. I assume it was mainly for working out and not getting the wedding band scratched, but it's actually been perfect for gaming, too. No more metal rubbing against my controller during tense matches. So here's my question this week. What is the most useful complimentary item you've ever received? I'm sure those hotel toiletries have come in clutch once or twice on work trips. Yeah. That's an amazing and super specific complimentary choice. <laughs> yeah. I, I got one. And yeah, it's like, I don't know. The idea of like slipping my ring off, which is hard to do. Um, yeah, so you take off your ring and put on a silicone ring? Every time to play games? Like that, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, like I think that would get annoying. Um, I'd be scared to lose my ring. Hey, also, Kyle, um, I don't know if you weren't a lot of jewelry before you got married, but I am stunned by how much my finger changes size day to day, week to week. Like there are <laughs> days when I worry this thing's going to fall off, and there are other days where like it will not move an inch. I don't know what is happening to the human body, but it is 
impossible how much a finger changes. Yeah, flying, weirdly I found, makes my hands swell. That was something I didn't realize until I was wearing a wedding ring. Oh, that sounds like a nightmare. So like a plane takes off, and you're like, ow, ow, and your ring is just like cutting off? It doesn't hurt. It just like, oh. it doesn't go off. Uh, Actually, I had the- to get a new ring recently because, uh, as we talked about earlier, new wife. I've gained so much weight, so oh. I had to get a new ring, get a bigger one. Oh, really? Wow. Hold the phone, though. Beating down Brian says it goes over the ring. Oh, Oh, the silicon? No, I don't think that's the idea. I think the idea of the complimentary silicon ring is that you can wear it and operate heavy machinery. Hanson, Brian knows what he's talking about. We don't question him. You know what? Be numb, Brian. He says it acts like a damper. I'll be damned. All right. Hey, look, we'll trust you. It makes more sense than switching it out for a pretend version of it. Yeah. I guess. Uh, have you gotten used to the the <laughs> the um the the ring playing controllers? Because I find I would I'll click against it like it's yeah. like another fidget thing I can do. I kind of like it. It is it is kind of fun. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good fidget thing. Like um, I remember once I went to a Vikings game, and it was with Andrew Reiner, editor in chief of Game Informer there, and uh, Chris Cluey got us good seats. So we're sitting like right next to the field of the Vikings game. And it was with a bunch of the players' wives because it was all kind of like the friends and family gift seats or whatever. And like all the wives would bang on this like platform in front of them with their rings to make like the most noise. And it was it was a bizarre scene that I will never get out of my head of like, oh, just a bunch of crazy diamond rings and all the wives like banging on this thing to make the most <laughs> noise. So yeah, I've taken that philosophy and yeah, it's fun to make noise and tap on stuff with the ring. I'm with Good. you. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Uh, Tony the Swordsman. Yo, anyone else still have those school-based dreams, like those nightmares where you are late for class, haven't done the work, have a test, etc. Man, going through that institution really messes you up. Why did we drink so much milk? I can't even drink milk now. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, all the time. My, my milk intake has subsided significantly since leaving elementary school, I gotta say. Yeah. Also, Your bones are built. The amount of times I've been frustrated by trying to do the cardboard carton flip out of like mm-hmm. the little nozzle, then you blow it and you have to like just pry to get the chocolate milk out of there. Yeah, that frustration amount on a daily basis has gone way down. Um, my, my thing with those kind of dreams, which is might be typical, is like I, I'll have those, like especially like I, I'll, I'll suddenly be going to a college class that I haven't been going to all semester. But it's always like I have a job. Like that's the debate I'm having with myself in the dream. I'm like talking to other right, people. Right. I'm like, I'm employed. Like I don't need – if you take away my degree, like it's fine. I'm still working. <laughs> like I don't care. Yeah. Wh- why is it? Why is that such a weird recurring dream? Is it just – much more stressful than we all realize to be in school because I have that all the time and it's always like a math thing like oh you idiot you were in this math class all semester and you didn't go to one class or you're going to every third one thinking you can keep up and you can't but I, yeah it's and now, thing. now you're not going to get your degree because technically like you haven't I haven't received it for years apparently right and and there, it was all hinged on this one class that I didn't finish it's really bizarre I, I have that, and but now more recently, <laughs> and I guess this is kind of personal, but I, I have dreams where I'm like back at Game Informer, like just kind of volunteering my time to help them through some kind of weird thing, and it, it always gets frustrating. And then I, I always realize like 
wait, I'm not getting paid for this. I can just leave. And then I, I end up <laughs> leaving them high and dry, I guess. But it's it has mostly transitioned from school stuff to a job that I no longer have now. And it's it. But it's a very similar type of stress. Interesting. Yes. My stress dreams are always about my old restaurant job. And it's similarly like. I don't need this. Why did I agree to come back and help for this shift where I now have 45 tables? Right, right. I didn't even wait tables when I was there. I guess that's true. Yeah, I always have dreams where I go back to like work at the grocery store. And it's always this feeling of like, why why am I back here again? Do I really need this job right now? I guess so. But yeah, Yeah, I'm always trying to figure out the the POS, the point of sale system at GameStop from like my time there in high school and college and stuff. And I'm like, I used to know this very well. I was very quick with this (laughs) system. Why did they change it so much? Why am I here? (laughs) That is a weird transition, though, of like, I guess all of us have the experience of realizing halfway through, because when I used to have the school ones, it was always just full stress until I wake up and realize, oh, thank God it was just a dream. But it seems like now there is that like moment halfway through it of like, I don't need to do this. This right. doesn't matter anymore. Right, right, right. It's like your body's com- like continually trying to remind you that you don't have to do half the things that you do in life. I well, guess. that's what's the problem with the workforce right now is everyone's quitting just like you and your dreams, Jeff. And everyone says, I'm too good for this job. I don't need it. Take well, it and show you more Everyone go dreams. back to sleep. <laughs> dreams don't pay enough. That's the problem. Absolutely. You guys are pl- placing the blame in the wrong place. And that's why we're running for president on the Dreams Should Pay You platform. <laughs> dreams Beating down pay. Brian in the comments says, I have a, I have dreams where Jeff keeps leaving in the middle of doing me a favor. It's going to happen. Yep. Yep. That's it. Mm. That's it. Uh, let's see. James Game Boy writes, hey, CLCs, I am almost through the MinMax show archive. Mm. Which is surprising going back. That's amazing. Familiar voices are good for anxiety, even if it's old news. And in one of the very early episodes, Hansen mentions something he saw at Square Enix on the Final Fantasy XV cover story trip that hadn't come out yet. It's been a minute since episode two, so <laughs> has that come out? Uh, it has not. That was Forspoken that we talked about. But thank you for going back, Mr. Game Boy, and, and listening to those old episodes. But Forspoken, yeah. uh, the earliest version of that is what I was talking about in that old tease what a what a fun old tease for everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things that was probably driving James Game Boy crazy. Yeah. I think we have touched on in follow-up episodes, but, you know, hopefully that brings you some peace. Did, do any of you ever go back and listen to old episodes of podcasts? Or, like, re-listen to them? Uh, sometimes when I'm feeling nostalgic, I've found old episodes of the Game Informer show to listen to. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll find stuff, like, I'll... I don't know, for some reason, if, you know, YouTube starts recommending Game Informer shows from, like, 2015 or 2016, I'll watch those for a bit, and it is, like, it is always this feeling of, like, oh, it's nice to see me really laughing it up back then in that era. It's, it is it is strangely comforting. That's yeah. definitely going to be my retirement, is just, I don't know, a lot of edibles and then just watching episodes of the Game Informer show from 2015. Like, <laughs> I'm looking totally. forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, from a rational kind, hi, Min Maxer. Thinking about Monster Energy drinks and Death Stranding, what other games slash auteurs can get away with having product placement in their otherwise serious games? Kojima the only one. The answer to that is no other game, and you're being generous saying that Kojima gets away with it. (laughs) You didn't like Doritos in Metal Gear Peace Walker? You weren't into that? It is an interest. I like that idea of like auteurs can't sell out and have product placement, but like here's a clear example but I think that's just, it's a larger debate for a rational kind here of like, is it possible to sell out anymore? 
When was the last time you were bummed out by like a creator quote unquote selling out? I mean, maybe like depending on the sponsorship or whatever, working with a dumb brand. You know, like uh, the Super Bowl this last year, they had a commercial with Larry David and it was a funny commercial. And then at the end, it's like the punchline buy crypto. I was like, what? <laughs> Larry David. I think that's like the only time yeah. recently where I was like so bummed out by just an individual's choice, I guess. But yeah, right. I, don't know, I, I will say, I think, I think Suda and Swery could get away with it though. In this, in the same mm. sense of like, if, if we consider Kojima getting away with it, I feel like if there was product placement in Swery's next game, I wouldn't be offended, really. I'd be like, oh, thank God someone gave him money to finish a game. <laughs> Just a I big... also think snacks are a pretty safe product placement. Yeah, you're right. It fits in smoothly. It's like, it almost makes more sense than some made-up snack. Yeah, no one's going have a real the, problem I think with the snacks. difference, though, with, with Swiri and Suda, though, is the uh, letter mentioned specifically in a serious game. And I feel like oh, it's, sure. it's, it's, a, it's a much lower bar if you're just kind of being wacky. But Well, I think that it's a larger discussion as well of has Kojima ever made a serious game, which I guess we talked about last week. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, debatable how serious the game where you pee and carry around a baby is. He sometimes acts like a real mixed nut now at Kirkland. <laughs> <laughs> from Now from Kirkland at Costco. Oh, great. That right, sounds guys. awesome. I'll have to go check those out. That's good. That's good. You should. Uh, let's see, uh, Matthew Weatherly, good day, I'm in Max Saruz. Says, uh, I was the crazy Aussie that got up at 4 a.m. to compete in Trivia Tower recently. Wow, thank you. The lag was real, but so was the fun. Insert Leo noise here, it says. Do you know what that is, Leo? <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun sound, hey. he did it. <laughs> anyway, my question is for any of the cohorts that have been gaming since the early days of games. Can you recall the first time you heard voice acting in a game that actually sounded good? For me, it was an Australian rules football game for the NES. Every time the ball was kicked out, the game would say, out of bounds, on the full. I remember being really impressed that a system that mostly produced bleeps and bloops could construct an audible sentence. Would love to hear the panel's examples. Thanks, Windwax crew. And then in parentheses, they said, I'm upside down. That's correct. Because they're from Australia. That's very fun, and I love it. Um... It's it's a good question. I, the sounding good thing is like just a, it's not just a voice in the game, but like it acts as like wow the quality of this acting or the tech. I was thinking performance was yeah, how I, I read yeah, it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, because like the first time I think I heard a voice in a game technically was Ghostbusters on the Apple II. Here I'll play a classic sample of this because it's pretty iconic here. Okay, I'll wait for this to boot up here. So that was yeah. like, we're basically in the third movie at that point when you heard that coming out of an Apple too. Yeah, my answer is just now when I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, it's, it's on my mind because we, I mentioned it earlier because I'm playing it on Steam Deck, but I, I was trying to think of like good performance, right? Is yeah. like kind of what, how I approached it. And right, uh, right. Robert Carlyle, who was in Train Spotting mm. and um, some other Danny Boyle movies and stuff. He plays Gabriel in Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Yeah. And it's a very like um it's it's not it's a very quiet performance. Like it's it's very muted. And that was to my memory, like that was the first time I'd heard a muted performance in a video game and I really liked it. Where like everything up to that point had been a lot of like shouting and like yelling 
And like you never really heard someone go quiet in a video game. At, at least I hadn't up until that point. Right. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, I wonder if the famous name kind of drew more, more attention, drew more attention to that for you. I mean, I I found out it was him like partway through the game. Like I, I looked it up because I was like, oh, I like this performance. I, who's who is that guy? Do I yeah. reckon? And then I found out it was like a you know a Hollywood actor as opposed to just like a voice actor. You know. Yeah. I but think, now, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, I think Metal Gear Solid yeah. had to be the first one that I was like really it stood out and was an important, valuable part of the game. Yeah, like Liquid. And his performance is so fun. You know, if you put a gun to my head and said, is the voice acting in Metal Gear Solid 1 good? <laughs> That'd be a stressful situation. <laughs> but it's so impactful and fun. You'd have dreams about that in like 20 I, years. I really, really would. And like, yeah, so I think probably Liquid's performance in Metal Gear Solid 1 is the first one. I was like, oh, I love this. I love this performance. What comes to mind for me is the Animaniacs game pack. Which was a classic Mac gaming option. Just like a few mini games, essentially, from that were themed around the Animaniacs and had the full voice acting from our th- three favorites Animaniacs. That's good. Cartoon cutscenes and everything. That was impressive to me. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Davis says, what's the best use of mismatched music in a game or other media? I recently saw the movie Shadow in the Cloud, and I liked the use of 80s synth music in a World War II setting. Oh, best use of mismatched the, the, music. The thing that struck me about this is like I couldn't honestly think of like a mismatch. Yeah. Right? I couldn't come up with an example. And it's something that you probably don't remember this, Hanson, but I feel like we've talked about a couple times. You you and Leo do tons of video editing. I only do a little bit of video editing. But something I feel like you learn when you start dabbling with video editing is like eh, every video clip kind of goes with every song. <laughs> right, like anytime right, right. someone shares something that are like, oh my gosh, Look at how perfectly yeah. this clip syncs up with this music. It's I'm like, it kind of always does 100% of the time. It's not that crazy. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz isn't a miracle? It's like, no, yeah. If you listen yeah, it's to kind anything, of a coincidence. Of it, I think, you know, human brain is very good at finding patterns. And like, that's all that is. It's like, oh, this is lining up perfectly. This is lining up perfectly. So, yeah. So, you're right. There's still there's still those moments where it's like a big action scene in a movie to like a big song. Like, I always think of. Um, Captain Marvel with uh, I'm just a girl like that that song plays in that movie and it's just it's like I, I it drives me nuts because like it feels like this was not shot with that music in mind and I think it probably comes down to the studio and the directors but that's a huge distinction in my mind is like when I see an action scene and they're like going hard with a song choice and it's not song. yeah and it's not very specifically to that song I feel like you can really feel it it's like okay just in post they tried to see if they could make this work and it always works well enough that nobody calls BS but I call BS on that stuff and in a lot of like cheesy family movies of the early 2000s when they're really trying to sell the soundtrack to the movie you know just squeeze in as many like actual songs by bands as possible right right in the yeah to get to sell the soundtrack, right? Yeah, yeah. The, right. the Kiss from a Rose era of Batman Forever or whatever. Well, come on, soundtrack. that one's great. Uh, yeah, like, don't, that don't soundtrack deserved to sell 400 million copies. It was the Subway Surfers of its day. Uh, I was thinking I should rewatch Batman Forever, right? It's time. Yes. I saw that movie like three times in theaters. Is, is it good? Is it a good movie? I haven't seen it in so long. I just listened to Blank Check's commentary track about it, though, and it sounded oh, great from the way they were talking about it. Uh, Colton Lang asks, do you think Kratos is ever going to tell Atreus that he murdered his wife and child? 
They had this big confession scene at the end of God of War 2018, but all Kratos says is, I killed my father. And I remember thinking, who gives a crap? Are Sony Santa Monica just hoping that everyone forgot he killed his wife and child? Thanks for reading. Colton from Cape Cod. It is, it is a huge one that they still haven't I, dropped that bomb. I, I don't think they will. I think, I think Atreus oh, really? is going to find out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not, and, and the problem is going to be like Kratos didn't tell him. I think it's 100% going to be that for Ragnarok. It's going to be like, what can we use to drive a wedge between these two? What's the most interesting dramatic bomb we can set off? And it's that like, I don't know, the fates or somebody comes by Atreus and it's like, whisper, whisper. Guess what? Guess what Kratos did? He murdered his, sucks. Yeah, he murders his families. <laughs> I think that's absolutely going to be a part of Ragnarok. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't really his fault, uh, fully. Oh, really? From Cape Cod, you know, he was he was he was tricked into it. Hmm. We're gonna really oh. analyze it. Uh, yeah, leave that. To explain. You thought it was just a different woman and child, right? Not I mean, actually, kids. I think I think he was. Um, I think they did. The gods did sort of like mask what he was seeing. I believe. Oh, really? Literally what happened. Yeah, I could be wrong about that. Does that that. stand up in the courtroom? Uh, No, I would be seated. Okay. Uh, Hanson, were there any that you questions that you wanted to make sure I read, even though I feel like you're still talking as much as you would have normally? (laughs) Some would say more. Yeah, I got one. Vince L. I'll read it for you if you want. I just... Yeah, I I like Vince L's. It's so weird. Do you want me to read it for you? Sure. Take a nap. Close your eyes. You betcha. Uh, Vincel writes a potential better quest goal. My three-year-old daughter started a new daycare uh, within walking distance of our home a couple weeks ago. She often requests to be brought in a wagon slash stroller slash bike. There are, there are, however, many spots along a road maintained by the county that are inaccessible slash not friendly to wheeled transportation. We have attempted to call the proper office to remedy this issue in the past without any luck. Would it be an appropriate better quest goal to take a vigilante approach to curb ramps and use my basic asphalting skills to make rogue curb cuts? <laughs> I become more skilled and better my town. Thanks, Vince L. Um, I, I like that idea. I, I, love I that think idea. we can legally tell you to do that. Oh, we, what yeah. are they going to do? sue Minmax as a company because we told them to they're going to take us to court and ask us about the plot of God of War <laughs> yeah I, I love that idea so, so it's like there's no good what I'm reading this as is like for the sidewalk there's no way on and off it or just like yeah. so they're trying to take tools just to make an on ramp I mean the, the lazy way is just take a piece of plywood and set it down and then you could run those up and down but I kind of like the idea. Like, if you just Vince, if you just got like um, like a reflective shirt, something that looks construction esque, and yeah. went out there with your tools for the Put sake. Put down. Yeah, who's gonna complain about more on and off ramps for the cement? You yeah. know, it worked in Ghostbusters too. It'll work in real life. Exactly. It's true. Exactly. So I think it's I think that's a fine better quest goal is to just go to town on your neighborhood sidewalk. Send pigs. <laughs> Send yeah, pigs, please. Uh, but it, if anybody's asking, we are not legally responsible for the destruction Vince is about to do to that sidewalk. We're please. joking and we made up this question. And we regret our words and deeds. <laughs> Uh, what do you think, Hanson? That's it, I think, right? You feel good about that? Well, I, except for Rich McLaughlin. He wrote in and he said, what's up with bubble tea? Uh, yummy. 
It's great. Jeff Kaplan I, yeah, from it's, it's Overwatch great. bought me my first at one ever. <laughs> did oh, really? he did he drop his name in it, or is that just something you picked up on your own? <laughs> is that a thing? This is my favorite name drop story. He said, <laughs> Do you like Boba? And I said, I don't know what that is. And he said, It's coming right up, pal. <laughs> I uh I literally and I said, you should quit Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I literally made boba before this podcast. Like I have you some. You made tapioca. boba? Yeah. So I made it, and then I put. Um, this is my wife's idea, uh, for my daughter, and I put Nesquik milk and boba in the bottom of the Nesquik milk. Um, That's interesting. So it seemed, I didn't taste it myself because I didn't want to interfere with her drink. But yeah. um, it seemed good. But yeah, because you can get it. You have to like boil it. It only takes like a few, like five minutes or so. It's 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 good. Uh, yeah, I've only had it a couple times, and uh, I have the world's worst stomach, and I think both times I've had it, um, I then, um, you know, I had uh, a poo-poo that was like Mario with Flood and Super Mario Sunshine, um, and so I assume that somehow that's connected, so I haven't had it since. You, you diarrhea yourself off the toilet, is what you're saying? That's right. And but and then I, just or, hovered in the air yeah, for a while? Yeah, but I also used my diarrhea to clean up some uh, slick oil spills on an island, so... Who can say if it's worth it or not? This is what you want to leave everyone with. This is how you yeah. want to... This is the question of the week right here. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, hey, everybody, what do you like for question of the week? Uh, stress dreams? I, I did like that one. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I think... I, I, we didn't talk about it, but I, like Jeff, I'm, I literally have the same Game Informer dreams lately. Yeah. Where I'm like, wait, why am I doing this for charity? I mean, I like these people. I'm happy to be around them, but I... All right. Go. Also, this office isn't real anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Uh, Tony the Swordsman, congratulations! You just won uh, Muppets movie vinyl soundtrack for my mate bit. We'll ship that right out to you. Appreciate it. Uh, Hey, Kyle, great job! Thank you for reading those. Thank you. Thank you for letting me. (laughs) It's an honor. Hey, thank the community for submitting them. Uh, Now it's time for something we call "Get a Load of This." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Leo, you look like you look like the face of somebody who's got something good. Get a load of this. I um this is my second get a load of this that's a Fallout 76 settlement. But <laughs> okay. man, people are making crazy stuff in there. Huh. This one is a giant Alice in Wonderland book. It's like a book vertical open with kind of illustrations with props and stuff that have like depth to them and unique backgrounds i can't wrap my head around how they even made this that's wild Uh, but it is that there was a question we didn't ask from the community that was like about games you would play if you had no other obligations you could just get into it super super hard i feel like fallout 76 is that really i love that just like the blueprint grind for like being able to build every single weird ass prop for your house that seems very satisfying especially with again crazy stuff r slash uh fallout 76 settlements is a worthwhile subscribe yet yet valheim which is so much about building cool houses and building cool stuff not interested leo that's shocking to me that's viking crap i think i'm a consultant on that (laughs) i see i see there's links below for all this stuff uh hey get a load of this uh kyle i saw lightyear recently in the theaters, and um, right. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we talk about it on the new episode of Party Chat, our Patreon exclusive podcast. You want to hear a full review and all that fun stuff. But I was thinking about just you know the wild thing of like Buzz Lightyear being named after Buzz Aldrin, you know, and then I was like Buzz Aldrin, where, where does that name come come from? So we looked it up. Um, not his real name. 
His real name, of course, is Edwin Eugene Aldrin Jr. But Leo, do you know Eugene. where do you know where Buzz comes from? His haircut. His haircut. <laughs> no, apparently it comes from his little sister because when she was young, she couldn't pronounce brother, so she called him Buzza. And so from that, they got Buzz, and they just started calling him Buzz. But I still love the idea that, like, you know, I'm trying to think of other really impactful mispronunciations. But just because of this little girl in, like, the frickin' 40s or whenever mispronounced a word, now we have a character called Buzz Lightyear today. Like, it's such a weird evolution, you know? So if you can think ben, about... Do you know, do you oh, know yeah. Ben Buzz Aldrin's mother's name? No. Marion Moon. Oh, that's right. That's right. Weird fun fact. Um, And her secretary had the same name as Lincoln's secretary. That's right. That's right. And it was Woody. Um, uh, Kyle, you got one? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Get a load of this. This was just making me laugh. This is a tweet I saw from uh, Joshua Yell, who is uh, an editor over at IGN. And he, he shared this tweet. Uh, of a of a, a Pokemon card game tournament. I, I don't know if he took the photo or not, but um, the twi- the text of the tweet is: This madman entered the Pokemon trading card game North American International Championship with a sixty card deck made purely of novelty jumbo cards. So his Pokemon <laughs> cards were like gigantic. Uh, the judges debated and ruled it was legal because card size <laughs> is not specified in the rules. But a real Airbud situation where this one guy just has gigantic Pokemon cards at this tournament. Are they like are they made by the Pokemon company cuz you can't just like make your own cards, right? That's what I don't yeah. get. So they must yeah, they must be like official like they're probably like marketing things or something. Yeah, for display. Yeah. Cases. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so you can check out the picture in the in the description of this video. I love it. Jeff, um, hit us with your best shot, man. Uh, get a load of this. This is just a YouTube video of two AIs talking about the nature of love. Um, <laughs> what is it with you and AI? I feel like thirty percent of know, your good are about AI. Yes, yes, I realize that every it's it's basically just AI update every time I have to do get a load of this. I think Google, like Google's algorithm, realizes that I'm incapable of not clicking on a story that involves AI, and so they just keep giving me more and more stories. But this one, it's it's that classic scenario of taking two chatbots and having them talk to each other. Yeah. Except this one, they are just photorealistic human beings talking back and forth, trying to figure out what love is. Yeah. I love it. That's beautiful. Uh, did you get one from the community too? Oh, I did. Get a load of this. Oh. Uh, this was, it was a hard week because there were a lot of really good ones. This one came from that flow state uh, and it's The Verge is doing a series a, a series of special reporting on um, Homeland Security and kind of that entire department and how it brought together a bunch of different departments and how it's basically been a massive boondoggle for like the past 20 years. Oh, and damn. so uh, if you check it out, they like their opening kind of explains what the project is. And then it has three just massive stories that they must have done just a ton of uh, reporting and photography and interviews for, and they're promising just a bunch more uh, articles throughout the month. So 
it's definitely worth checking out. Cool. Link below for all this stuff. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, we mentioned Party Chat, which we, uh, covers our Patreon-exclusive podcast. If you support us over there on Patreon, you can way more than double the amount of podcast material you'll get each and every week. Also, you get access to this podcast one day earlier than everybody else. You get it on Wednesday, which is a real treat. Uh, so any help supporting us there is appreciated. Also, the biggest thing, biggest thing, Leo, is we had some options for what we wanted to tackle next for the deepest dive. There is much debate. People say, I want this. I want this. And we said, the only way to settle this is if we let the community choose. And everybody said, huzzah, the people shall choose. The people shall choose. So Big we've devised some sort of electoral college system. So here's that. No, uh, we have a Twitter poll, everybody, <laughs> where you get to choose what we tackle next for the deepest dive. Uh, this is our pinned tweet. So if you go to MinMax Show on Twitter, you will find this. Also, we'll have a link in the description of this podcast and this YouTube video so you can find it there. Please let your voice be heard. Here are your options for the deepest dive, the next one we tackle. Jack and Daxter 1, a game that I've never finished, and I love Naughty Dog and Crash Bandicoot so much. It's a real sore spot to never finish it. It's roughly 10 hours. Kyle loves it. It's one of Janet's favorite series. They're really the champions of this one, so that's an option. Also... Gotta say, over the last 24 hours since we put this Twitter poll up, Jack and Dexter was getting crushed by the other options. The Jack and Dexter community came out of the woodwork. They're just, you know, uh, starving people in a forest, but they came stumbling out and have really rallied. And now Jack and Dexter is in the lead for the deepest dive right now. It is amazing how much that community shared this Twitter uh, poll. Uh, the other option, Portal 2. We'll take the deepest dive on Portal 2. And some might say, what, what about Portal 1? We covered Portal 1 with a game club with Kyle and Leo uh, back at Game Informers. You can find that on the Game Informers YouTube channel. Um, but about we that. will create the best, most thorough discussion about Portal 2 on the internet, which is a game that's roughly, it's under 10 hours long. Um, and that's an option for you. Maybe a special guest or two. We'll see how that goes. Uh, that's another option. Another option. Third option. Live Alive. This is the Square Enix RPG that's finally being brought stateside. Uh, it is from some folks who were on the Chrono Trigger team. If you're a fan of JRPGs, I think it's going to be a very interesting one to unpack. Um, it's roughly 19 hours long. So, Kyle, it's shorter than Chrono Cross, but I think it's going to feel, you know, it's going to feel like doing that Chrono Trigger uh, deepest dive. So I am, I'm personally rooting for that one, but I don't want to sway the votes. You can pick, you can pick any starting place right for all the different eras it's in how are you going to structure i think that? we'll have to just say like okay we're doing the astronaut we're doing this we're doing this and then next chapter we're doing this we're doing this so it kind of ruins some of the fun of that but you know you got to structure it somehow so live alive is an option mm -hmm. any help sharing that's appreciated then the fourth option and this is what beaten down brian's been screaming for for a very long time uh fourth option is a plague tale innocence a Plague Tale Requiem, the sequel, is coming out later this year. Plague Tale Innocence, uh, this is a game that's on Game Pass. Um, it is a narrative-focused stealth game about the plague that, if you recall, back in 2019, I believe it won our award for the game that nobody played, but we probably all agree is good. And I think it falls in that camp of kind of an uneven game, but a really interesting story to talk about and a really interesting experience to talk about. It's about 10 and a half hours. Um, Imran Khan over there from Fanbytes, very excited about that one. So he'll be joining us. Uh, Kelsey Lewin, just for a heads up, is very excited about Live Alive. Not to, you know, it's not a popularity contest, but those are your options, everybody. So Jack and Daxter, Portal 2, Live Alive, and A Plague Tale Innocence. 
the poll is shockingly neck and neck. I thought Plague Tale Innocence was going to be gone in a millisecond, but the poll is running until Tuesday, July 5th. So click the link in the description here. Check it out. Make your voice heard. Is that what people say, Leo? Sure. Okay, great. Because uh, this might go down to the wire. Any help sharing and championing which one you want to happen uh, is great. We'd love to see it. Um, also, we got a lot going on here. Um, I like biking. And I like the, the great outdoors. And so here's what we're doing, everybody. Uh, Saturday, July 9th, we're going to have a MinMax community bike ride in Minneapolis. Um, I have always wanted to do more community meetups. Uh, we did one, and then this uh, gosh darn COVID hit. Um, and so we're trying to find safe ways to do something like that again. And so this isn't a full meetup. I don't want people traveling long distances for this. Please don't drive in from another state. It's not going to be anything fancy. And it might just be myself and uh, Grant, star of Hitman 3, <laughs> going on this bike ride with you. But we'll see who wants to come. But uh, it's going to be Saturday, July 9th. Uh, starting at 10 a.m. at Minnehaha Falls here in Minneapolis. So we're going to meet there by Sea Salt. If you know where that is, I know it's a very specific thing. And we're going to go for a bike ride, and you can turn around whenever we might be going for an hour and a half, something like that, and then just come back to Sea Salt and have a beer and hang out outside and keep distances and wear masks, whatever you like. So it'll be a nice, casual experience for everybody, and we look forward to seeing you there. Um, Leo, how do you feel about such a thing? Sounds fun. I'll try to make it. I'm not sure yet, but... It's on my radar. There we go. So very low key, but if uh, a low key outdoor get together seems up your alley and you like riding bikes, uh, but you know, we're not going to be going off jumps or anything too sick. <laughs> so you think. Speak for yourself. Uh, but Saturday, July 9th, everybody, we hope to see you there. Uh, also, last big announcement. Um, we have a new Patreon goal. New Patreon goal, everybody. I'm very excited about this one. This one is, drum roll please, with your rings. It won't come through anyway, man. Yeah, you're right. The Trek to Shrek, everybody. If we hit our Patreon goal, we are putting Janet Garcia on an airplane, flying her to Minnesota for the first time to meet us for the first time and to play Shrek 2 on a GameCube local multiplayer Shrek 2 in the MinMax studio. And she's gonna make a travelogue about her entire experience coming to Minnesota for the first time. So we'll send her on all the greatest sights and sounds that Minnesota has to offer. We'll get her eating a Juicy Lucy. We'll have some tater tot hot dish. She'll swim in the Mississippi. Maybe not, probably not. But if you want to help the Trek to Shrek for Janet to come out to Minnesota and play Shrek 2 with us, you can help us hit that goal by jumping in to support us on Patreon or jumping up your tier just for one month only. We would appreciate that. So if you want to jump up and join the Wall of Heroes or become a game champion or have a plug on the podcast, those options are for you. Also, As long as you're jumping. As long as you're jumping, we're smiling. So Trek to Shrek, help us hit it. We'd appreciate it. Ah. And you can become a game champion by jumping into that $50 tier. Uh, you can become a game champion of any game under the sun. Just like Dominic Sachoki, he chose Apollo Justice Ace Attorney, officially the game champion of Apollo Justice Ace Attorney. A great choice. It's going to be in the running for making a bonus piece of content as well. Ted Riser chooses the greatest, most unexpected choices here, choosing Footman Wars, which is another mod for Warcraft 3. <laughs> 
So officially, Ted Reiser, you are the champion of Footman Wars now and forever. Matt Mini 2008 is a person after my own heart. They chose Lunar Silver Star Story Complete. They are officially the game champion of that one. It is complete, everybody. So don't. So the not complete version is still up for grabs. That's right. That's right. Uh, Spider Dan chose Illusion of Gaia. Zachary Pliggy chose Superman 64. Andra Silva chose Dark Cloud. Officially the champions. Jump in there. Help us hit our new goal on Patreon. Become a game champion of anything under the sun and then you're also in the running to join us for a bonus piece of content all about that game all right kyle hilliard how you feeling pretty good ready to go make dinner hell yeah jeff how you feeling i'm feeling great leo how you feeling bad man i gotta go Oh, okay. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Uh, well, hey, thank you so much for watching and listening and helping to share MinMax all around. We appreciate it. We got uh, some fun content coming up, so thanks for sticking with us and any help uh, helping us hit that goal is appreciated. All right. We'll see you next week. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.